Tune in to UFO Undercover, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging E.T. in general out oh, in the yeah. middle of nowhere? that's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really kicked off. When I was having this fit, I, had, I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, okay. Louisiana man named Montaldo. Folks around called him Six Gun Joe. Worked with Icar, don't you know? Investigating UFOs. Out for a drive with a gal one night. They stopped to check out the reporting site. When an alien lit right there on the ground, commenced to throw in his weight around. Now, old Six Gun didn't take too kindly to that kind of thing. Especially without Vaseline or anything like that, you know. Seriously. Well, Six Gun looked that critter right in the eye and said, Any last wish before you die? Yells. Reached for his gun, quick as a twitch, and said, Fill your claw, you son of a bitch. Now, a legend spread across the land about this pistol-waving man. But if you're from space or from Earth below, you don't give no lip to Six-Gun Joe. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo. Oh, she caught me sneaking around. Damn, that ain't good. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> do you have undercover? Hope everyone's having a great morning, great afternoon, great evening, wherever you are on our big, beautiful blue planet. You know, I say this every Wednesday. I mean, I've been doing this show longer than a lot of y'all been alive. And there really isn't any place I want to be other than here on Wednesdays. You know, I had a gentleman write the other day. He said, well, I'm 30 years old. So I've been doing the show for 30 years. I said, <laughs> I said, you're about the same age. He's like, no way. I'm like, yeah. And I said, and we've had anybody who's everybody and everybody's mom and everybody else's mom and grandmom and great grandmom and great grandpa and everybody else in the show more than once, actually. You know, it's weird for me because um, when people write to me about ufology, particularly, it gets a little strange because uh, <laughs> I've talked to so many people about it, and not just scientists or, or, or fellow colleagues or things like that. I've talked to a lot of just everyday people. You know, uh, the Times-Picayune did a featured article on me in New Orleans, and they put it on the front page of the living section. 
So it was a whole page dedicated to me and my wife. I was like, oh, shucks. And I figured everywhere I go all day for the next couple of weeks, I was going to get picked on. But that's not what actually happened. I walked into my bank. The bank manager, who's a friend of mine, comes up and said, oh, you're the UFO guy now, huh? My, my, my VP wants to talk to you about something. I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm over here all kind of – he was just telling me about what he's seen over the causeway, which is the longest bridge in the United States. And he's telling me about these weird things he saw and stuff like that. And everywhere I went, someone had a story to tell me. Uh, it was very interesting. And uh, I was traveling all around you know, the city because you know, I do construction on a construction company and a radio station. So I'm pretty much all over the place all the time. And people recognize you. It, I was actually quite surprised at how many people still actually read the newspaper. <laughs> Just kinda, <laughs> I was, I was, wow, really? Uh, uh, you know, well, come on with the internet. I mean, all the news you need is right here on the internet. As a matter of fact, you can join us on Friday nights on Essentialist. We'll give you all the news you need right there. But still, there's just so much of it. Um, so it's one of them things, you know. But ever, but I guess people still like that tactile sense of the newspaper. I was surprised actually still seeing them being delivered the other day. I was like, okay, weird but strange, but okay. Yeah. You know, I haven't actually read a paper newspaper, and I couldn't even tell you one. Uh, I want to know the news. It's Let's go see what the blank is going on, man. Uh, it's it's a very, very strange thing. We have Desmond's with us. And I'm, I'm going to let Desmond do a proper induction and stuff in a minute. But before we get there, we're going to do a little a little plugging, I guess you'll say. I met Desmond this year at, mm, y'all should know this by now, writers of the future. Writers and illustrators of the future. I always want to leave them poor illustrators out. And they're hard working, so I don't want to leave them out. Besides, I'm friends with a couple of them. Um, I will tell you a little secret. Before we get into the radio show, I learned something in my three years of doing interviews with authors and illustrators. Now, illustrated judges are much more chatty than author judges are. But flip-flop that, uh, the winners, authors, are much, much more chatty than <laughs> illustrators are. And I'm, when I'm telling you much, I mean, put this in perspective. My average interview with an author was an hour to an hour and a half. And this is the hotel interviews. My average interview with an illustrator was 15 minutes. It's, it's, it's hard to do an interview when there's, you know, you need that artwork there to show people um, to say, hey, this is this is what I do or this is what I'm involved in. And you know, so it's amazingly questions about how you feel to win and stuff like that and stuff like that and stuff like that. So Desmond, so I don't call you by other name. How did it feel? Oh, wait, wait, wait. You know what? Introduce yourself properly. I was I was going to read. I said, but you know, you'll probably read much better than I will. So I'll let you do it. And uh, besides, you're a good looking guy. People need to hear that voice hmm. of yours. Hello. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we met at uh, the Writers of the Future uh, workshop and awards gala in L.A. here recently. Had a great time. Uh, we did some podcasts, got to hang out, got to talk about the, uh, the industry, uh, the radio industry, the news industry. That was awesome. Um, so, yeah, we went there and uh, on the night of the gala, got surprised with uh, finding out that I won the, the Golden Pen Award, which means that out of all the short stories that were submitted. He's the big daddy. Yeah. Hit the hit the big times. Got the got the top prize, which is great and really intimidating because the uh, the quality of the stories in volume thirty eight is ridiculous. They were good. Ridiculous. They were I good. thought there's no chance I was gonna hit anything other than um than one of the four first places. Um, so yeah, if you love sci-fi, you love fantasy, get a hold of it. It's available for free. Uh, somewhere around here, I have a 38. I will have to, oh, I think I got it right here. Actually. Mm -hmm. 
Now, one of these, I still got two of these to give away now, people. But look, one of these is, I think it's this one. One of these are all, yeah, see, this one's got the tag in it. Y'all never getting this one. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> this is, whoops, let me get my finger off the 38. This is 38. This is the one that, that we just got through doing uh, that's out all over the place. Now you can get it everywhere. Uh, we were here for the opening. And the reason you can't have that one because everyone signed that one. All mm -hmm. the authors and illustrators' signatures are in that book. I also got 36 and 37. I'm collecting these, man. Look, it oh, <laughs> might be one day. Somebody might hit it big, man. I'll be like, hey, look, I got you. Give me another autograph now. It's <laughs> Superman. Oh, yeah. I Actually, I, I found um, I found 38's reading, um, even though my memory is like about dust these days, uh, easier than 37 and 36's. Yeah. Guys, I like everybody in 37 and 36. I'm not cutting any, slighting anybody. Um, I just, for some reason, or maybe it was because my third time with everybody, it was easier on me. Maybe that's what it was. I, I don't, but I just found from the first story on, because the first story caught me right off the bat and the monster story caught me right off the bat. And then I just kind of meangled through them all. And then I came back and for me, I can't read something at one time. I'll remember like this much out of it. And uh, because unless it's something I'm working on or something really reporting or, or a research project, my brain hard drive are maxed out anyway. So, but if I want to remember something, I'll go back and read it. And, and I told them in the future when they want me to review stuff, because they started asking me to read things, send it to me in audio. Nice. It's much easier for me to drop it into my phone or hook it up to my car. I got an MP3 player in my stereo in my car, I'm gonna drop it in there, or I can just hook it up to my phone, and, you know, to the to the car and drive. And I drive an hour and a half every morning, going and coming. So it's a lot of time for me to review material or hear material. And uh, like the short stories are great. They should have they should have had them out on um, all you know instantly out because a lot of people are like me these days. They don't have the time to sit and read. Um, I, I got a lot of friends that love to read. Don't get me wrong. And, and the best part about them are they don't like, um, well, they don't like pads. They just don't like reading off of a pad. Even though I, I actually think it's fine to read off a pad. I like the idea I can make things bigger. I don't have to wear my glasses. You know, I like all of that. You know, I like the backlighting to the pad, stuff like oh, yeah. that. But uh, for some reason, a lot of people just need that tactile sense of that book in their hand. I'm like that, you know, and I can understand it because, you know, it's kind of like a comfort. Well, let's move Bob out the way here, Bob, get out the way for a few minutes. You're not on tonight, Bob, go bother somebody else tonight. But it is like, a, it's just like you, you can feel it. You can look at it and, you know, like these are embossed, the letters are raised. I mean, it's, it's a nice little feel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm still waiting for my leather back when John, if you're listening tonight. <laughs> John, if you're listening tonight, I know you listen to these when I do Writers of the Future. So where are you at, John? Oh, by the way, guys, this is 32. Now, this one I haven't read. I haven't been into yet. Uh, now, I'm giving away. I got two sets of these. I've already been given away, and we're going to give away another two sets. Now, these go to schools. But the only way you can get these is either send us a box or, or win a box. But more than likely, the best way to do is send us a box because a lot of people are after the 38s. But it's more than that because we've been giving away some other stuff uh, with the 38s that I know people are after. No, no, you can't have, you can't see it. So I don't even worry about it. I got a poster right here. I'll show you. I'll hold on. Right oh, I want to see this. Let's see. It's back. There it is. Oh, yeah. Now, this is number 86. It's very limited edition. Uh, it's signed, sealed, and you know, the whole nine yards. It's numbered the whole bit. Uh, and uh, it was a present from Writers of the Future. No, y'all cannot have it. That's the, the and yes, people. That's the award we gave Elron Hubbard right there for his birthday. Yes, it is uh, to the for doing all the stuff they do for the writers of the future. 
but anyway, Desmond, how you been, man? We got off on all kind of stuff. We ain't even got started yet. Oh, man, keeping so busy, uh, enjoying living in this time of life. I mean, uh, it's a great time to be a sci-fi and fantasy fan. Oh, shit, about things. We got Obi-Wan. We got Congress talking about UFOs. See, now, if we get off of that, we want to get to talk about you, because right off the bat, I got some issues with Obi-Wan, even though I'm glad to see it out. <laughs> <clears throat> People don't take this the wrong way. I'm glad Obi-Wan's out. Strange. The new Star Trek, I don't, I'm not even sure where to go with that. I, I was... Um, I, I guess I'm just happy with Pike. My wife keeps saying, I wish they'd put his hair back the other way. <laughs> I'm missing something, but I'm sure. But uh, I, I've been I've been mostly happy with that. Anything beats Discovery, so I mean. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I say that, <clears throat> and I shouldn't be mean to Discovery, because Discovery Bites is a Star Trek. It's, it's just not Star Trek, but it is good sci-fi, people. There's nothing wrong with the sci-fi theory. It just, it's got some issues like, you know, it's in a ninth, where it's at in the 29th century. Isn't that where what's his name got his thing from? To his mobile emitter comes from the 29th century. We know all kind of stuff about the 29th century from other Star Treks, but for some reason, so what you know, bother me. Why don't you pick a different century? One we don't know anything about, we could plead ignorant and say, okay, you can do whatever you want. But then there was other issues like the, the, the clean home. Well, there's just a lot of issues with it, but yeah, well, you know, remember they. They said the same thing about DS9 in, in the in the 90s. They said, oh, this isn't Star Trek. And uh, you know, even Next Generation. Uh, I like I DS. I wasn't I, – I like DS. I wasn't, I wasn't in love with the captain in the beginning. Everybody else I was kind of happy with. Sometimes he just had a tendency to overact. But, I, you know, <laughs> he kind of reminded me of some oh. other captain we know. We're not going to mention no names from the original series. But, what are uh, you yes. about? I don't know, but still, we're not going to mention his name because he's still alive and may come get us. Very vocal on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yes. We don't, we don't want to get his bad side. So uh, praying for <laughs> quite a bit, though. But no, I mean, I was he was a little weird to me. Jane, I love Jane away from day one for some reason. I, I don't even know why. Ooh, oh, my right. friend's like, what, what, a female captain. I feel like, so? What do you mean? You don't think this female captain? What the hell's wrong with you? It's the way, <laughs> I mean, come on. Jane away was good. Uh, Enterprise was... People Surprising. hate Enterprise, but it you know it's each one has its little place you know but they they were yeah. hated at the beginning because it wasn't yeah. the original series which yeah, I, I, you know I, I, that's true because and because a lot of people are like oh it's not the original Star Trek well no it's a progression of Star Trek exactly and, and you know one of the biggest bitches I've already heard about Strange New Worlds well. Wow, it's way more advanced than the original series it's because we're made more advanced people. You <laughs> just got to take it with a grain of salt. The old Star Trek would have been like that if they would have had the technology to do it. They yeah. just, I mean, and today having that whole world behind them now, they don't even have to use green screen. I'm like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I'm in love with this. Uh, I've watched it several times, actors talking about it. And look, even Wesley Crushes made a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Did I say that out loud? I did, didn't I? Shh, damn. He's, uh, he's making his rounds, you know? Yes. Well, he's got his own little series now that he interviews everybody. So he gets the best interviews in the industry, the little lucky sucker. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then uh, he was on Picard, wasn't he? Yes, Picard. Yeah. He was in Picard, people. I, don't even get me started on Picard. I like I like Patrick Stewart. I, I fell in love with Patrick when he was being wild and an ass and going into the desert and doom. And, uh, and <laughs> I, I've, <laughs> I've liked him ever since then. But it's uh, – I don't know, guys. I don't like saying things like, you know, he he just, I don't know. I'm glad he got a new robot body. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. <laughs> but what, you know, because I know we're going to get asked is, what is your favorite sci-fi TV series or movie for that matter? Mm. 
you know, so I'm a, I'm a buffet kind of guy. I like, I like a little bit of everything, but I tell you one of my all time favorites right now is uh, travelers by uh, Brad Wright. He did uh, the guy who did Stargate. He did this show called Travelers on uh, Netflix. Is uh, they can't say that. Good, good. No, I was just saying that for some reason it sounded familiar when you said it, but I couldn't figure yeah. out why. But now you said Netflix. I oh, it's, out good. it's prime storytelling. Like you remember how good Lost was? Like with their storytelling, like Travelers is like that, but even better with the plot. I'll have to check it out then, because for some reason, maybe I watched part, maybe I didn't. I don't. I don't know. I know I, I was watching a loop one day, and I had to turn it off because it was looping me. I was like, because it was only what six episodes anyway, wasn't it? Or how many? But it, that wasn't. It was people. Some sci-fi series aren't good. I mean, some are not. Yeah. And don't start. Whoever just sent me to oh, Serenity, Serenity. You know what? It might get a reboot. How's that? Leave me the hell alone about Serenity. Serenity uh, is good. It was a good series. I had no problem with Firefly. I mean, it was it was a good, fun series to watch. The Wild Wild West in space, which is probably how we're gonna do it. And either we're either gonna do it that way, or we're gonna do it Babylon Five way. We're gonna do it one or the other. So, mm-hmm. or maybe we'll split something in between. No, Babylon Five was different. Babylon Five was like a soap opera in space. It was uh, it was the way they felt that we would travel in space through gate technology and there would be a lot of politics with the other worlds because that's the kind of creatures we are, which is probably true. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I can't really rule that out. I mean, I think he did a good job with it. There's some good series out there. I'm not hating on, no, 1999 mm-hmm. was not a good series. Sorry. Never saw that one. But yeah, anymore, wait, there's not wait. a lot of bad, you know, on the in the mainstream. There's, like, it's just a good time to be a sci-fi fan. It is. There's, there's a lot of, well, look at all of y'all. I mean, first off, so we've got, just in the three years I've been involved with this, I've met 36 excellent writers who have written some really good either fantasy or sci-fi or something in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, so all of y'all are potential movie, you know, yeah. TV series. Because, let's, you know, if this was 40 years ago, you'd be looking at a hard future ahead of you. Mm-hmm. In today's world, I mean, we've got Hulu, we got Netflix, we got we got people who just need stuff like you can't believe need. Yeah. They need writers, they need illustrators, and, and you're a good writer, so... Yep, that's. I don't know if that's where you want to end up. In a oh career. yeah, <laughs> they can actually <laughs> my stuff. That's that'd be a dream to see some. Hey, stuff you get to write one of the, the Marvel Avengers or the DC Avengers, oh, and yeah. you, you know, AJ Adams started out a sweeping floor. So I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's no seriously, guys. He was a, not a janitor. No, we're talking about when he was a kid. No, come on, no, don't get stupid. <laughs> uh, no, I just. I just, you know, I, I really it's always been a thing. It's one of the reasons I like going to these. I get to meet a lot of upcoming people who might be, oh, no, 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 Jackie. No, 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 no. Okay. I, I, it's my bad. I've mis- been misleading. Okay. The first year I went, it was 16 to 68. The second year I went, it was 17 to 70. And last year, I think it was 17 to 71. That's the age range winners. Yes, this on kids. Uh, Desmond's not a kid. The, matter of fact, most of the really good writers I found are, are like 28 to up. Yeah, I was going to say something else, but it'll get me in trouble. So we'll just say 28 <laughs> up. Actually, I feel more like 30 and up. But actually, the illustrators seem to be a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, the really, really good ones. And I'm not taking away some of the older ones because they were good too. But it just seemed to be, you know, they, but but for the writers I've met, and this is just my own personal experience, people, for y'all go hating. It, it seems to be that, you know, a lot of the 30-somethings, 40-somethings really seem to be dominating. And and if you go back and if you go back and look at some of the series written in TV series, you'll notice a lot of the writers on those series are 30-something, 40-somethings. 
well, they, they still haven't got, you know, they still don't hate the world yet. They haven't got to be 60 where they're like, oh, my God, the world sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't I like the world. Who told you? I, I love living on Earth. Shit. The only thing that make me happy is if Elon takes me to Mars with him. But <laughs> other than that, I'm a happy camper. I don't know why people hate on Earth. Yeah, we got our issues. It's like everything. But it's I like being here. And, and I like good sci-fi. And, and our, you know, looking at our future, it's going to be a good one. I mean, first off, we got lots of new technologies coming out, which are going to help sci-fi people to open their minds up. And you got to remember, ladies and gentlemen, and Desmond, you probably get tested this, a lot of good, a lot of the technology we have today, you can thank sci-fi <laughs> writers for. Oh, yes, my friend. That is so true. And, and oh, we're talking. No, no, no. Even the ladies. No, we're talking. Not just one or two or three or five. We are literally talking hundreds of uh, people, uh, of inventions that came from imaginations of sci-fi writers. Mm-hmm. Well, because they think of things, but they don't know how to make it work. But some scientist is thinking, shit, this is a good idea, man. Yep. I can make some money on this. Or I can save some lives. Um, well, even the new tri you know, they actually have been designing, a couple of hospitals have been designing new tricorder beds. So these beds, are, they yeah. kind of look like the ones from the original series, but everything's connected to you. I mean, your bed do, does all kind of stuff for you to now. It can take your temperature, it can weigh, you can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But now it can actually give feedback to the nurses. And when my wife was in the hospital, they actually had a robot. Yes, and it had a camera on it. It was kind of weird, kind of creepy. Uh, it's definitely sci-fi. You're just thinking, what the bleep is this, man? It just sat there, just sat there, you know, checked out the room, made sure everything was on. I was like... Kind of felt that like one of them, them neo-Nazi movies from the future or something. I'm just, I just, you know, it had that kind of, that kind of feel. <laughs> maybe, maybe like, uh, what's a good example? Uh, maybe like something out of, oh shit, Harrison Ford's movies. Um, I was gonna say Running Man, but that ain't even Harrison Ford. Oh, Lord. Uh, you know, it's 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 futuristic, set in the future. I can't know why it's a good movie, but I can't think of the damn name of it for nothing. Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Blade Runner 2. I was confused by Blade Runner 1 in the beginning, but I actually started to like it after I watched it the second time. I'm still confused. It it was the movie was just (laughs) I like how everybody spoke English and Chinese, just like they did in in, in, uh, Firefly. That's kind of like a sign for the future. (laughs) It's not a bad sign, people. If you pay attention to these movies, we're not killing each other. Somehow along the way, I guess we figured out how to get along. Or maybe we tried to kill each other one time and get along. So, Desmond, we're getting some real questions now. We've been chit-chatting. But um, first off, I mean, what is it? You, so you're sitting at home one day. You're like knee-high to a cricket. You pick up a pencil. You pick a pad, and you say, okay, I'm going to write. Yeah, it was uh, – it all started in preschool. My best friend could read, and I couldn't. Oh, shit. Huh? That was yeah. even fun. Yeah, no, I was jealous. I was like, oh, I, I want to do this. So – I remember then fast forward to uh, like by second grade, I was reading big old books and I remember trying to check out this, this fantasy novel and the librarian said, Oh, this is, this is too good for you. And I just remember being offended. Like, no, I want to read this. And she wouldn't let me. So that just made me all ignorant and, and, and powerful. And so I just started just eating up books. And then, uh, Oh man, probably around the time of uh, middle school, or so I picked up Dean Wesley Smith's uh, Star Trek Strange New World, which was a uh, uh, short story anthology, just like Writers of the Future, except it was Star Trek themed. And then I realized, oh, wait, fans can uh, can write stories and send them mm-hmm. in 
and be published. And then it dawned on me that I could do that. So I've been writing ever since. And then uh, probably about four years ago, I started getting motivated and serious to actually turn it into a profession. And then uh, here this year, um, you know, it was my goal to land writers of the future. And uh, this year it happened. So that's how we got here today. It, yeah, it is how we got here today. And it's, 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 well, it's interesting to see you come along, you know, you're enjoying it. Okay. See, that, 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 well, you know, for me, because I mean, sometimes I meet people who even after they win, they're just not happy. I'm like, wow, I mean, you get to, like Dean Wesley Smith, you get to meet some of the big dogs. Yeah. You know, Tim Powers, Austin Scott Carr, he wasn't here this year, but he's there a lot of years. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of big name people. We, when we're saying big names, these, these are not, these are not just wimpy authors or, or people who come to teach these guys. These are big names. Yeah. These are people who have a stand in an industry. They've got big acclaimed movies or TV series or big books to their backgrounds or, you know, it's, it's Dean's interesting, by the way, him and I have talked several times, but we've never talked about actually him writing. We talk more about financing. Oh yeah. He's a uh, yeah well, he is. And um, two years in a row, we got caught out at the bar doing the barbecue and uh, sat down with a group of people and went through, you know, what's the best way to start out L Corp versus, you know, C Corp versus full corporation, uh, LLC, the whole nine yard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of the guys looked over and he said, well, you do that. I said, yeah, I'll tell you the easy way. It goes by how much money you got. If you ain't got a lot of money, you go with LLCs. If you got a mid-range of money, you go with C Corp. If you got a lot of money, you go with a corporation. And I said, and I said there's reasons why for all of that. I said, yeah. uh, that's just how it is. I said, when you get to be rich and famous like Dean, then you, you'll have a corporation. And, uh, and, 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 and I like Dean. Him and I got along well. We talked well. I mean, I actually, now I can't speak for you, but, and I didn't have to share a room with anybody, so I was lucky. I don't know about sharing a room with people, man. I'm just not in yeah, that. You know, and uh, I got to say, though, out of all the people I've met, which is uh, what? So we're at 30, so we got 72 of y'all now. Um, there wasn't no fighting, no hating. Mm-hmm. I was surprised nobody said, get out of my damn room. <laughs> 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 Things like that. It's uh, okay, guys and girls. I, I know y'all don't know this, but the winners, when they bring them in, they share a room. And it's, it's not because they can't afford to give them another room. It's intentional, the reasons why they do this. There's method to their madness. Trust mm-hmm. me, I've, I've gone over to judges. And I've talked with people at Galaxy Press and over at Author Services about this as well. And trust me, there is a method to their madness. So before we get into Sydney Elf, what about Joni? Oh, Joni is amazing. Joni's the best. Joni is the whirlwind, man. <laughs> she, she is the whirlwind. She's the heart and spirit of the uh, oh. contest. That so for those who don't know, um, you know when you, when you get the phone call saying uh, that you've won, Joni is the one who's calling. She's the contest director, and so then when you land on the ground in L.A. Uh, she's the one orchestrating the whole thing like a conductor um, without her being like the centerpiece. Um, she's the captain of the ship and, uh, and, and everyone else, uh, the, the entire crew is, is amazing. Everyone is so stinking nice. They treat you like family from, from the moment you get there. Um, it's, they're so nice. It's scary. I'm just telling you people. <laughs> it's, it's like being an episode of Twilight Zone. Uh, don't no, don't y'all don't take that in a mean way. I, mean, <laughs> I, I see sort of comments. Wait, I can't see the comments in here. Why can't I? It's um, so no, it's just, because you go to LA and you think uh, like LA is a stinky place, and then you got people treating you like family. You're like, 
this feels weird, but no, it's genuine. They are like just genuine people. I'm from yeah, the Midwest where, you know, like people are genuinely yeah, well, cool, normal but, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They treat you. They're like normal people, but like they like, like aunts and uncles and, and family. It's, they're awesome. They, it's, it's just, I got to say everybody was extreme. That's, but I, I actually told that uh, um, Joan over at, at Arthur service. I said, mm-hmm. and when's the mummy going to jump out the thing and drag me off into the night. <laughs> I said, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I mean, my first year there, that's why I was there, because I was extremely skeptical. Mm-hmm. And I was there as an investigative reporter, and, and they made sure that I had access to... This is why I really liked them. They gave me access to everything, no questions asked. If I wanted to see it, and, and it fine. And I was like... And there was some other stuff, which I'm not going to bring up in this show, but I asked them about and wanted to know about it, and they were fine with giving me information on it. So when people are that honest and they're so nice and can I make you some coffee? Can I get you some tea? Let me show you this. Let me show you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at this, look at that. And then, you know, they're publishing my stuff all over the place. They're talking about me all over the place. They're doing the same thing with y'all. I'm thinking, Jesus people. And, uh, and they're, and they're there that they, they work really hard to make this come off really well. And they do a damn good job doing it. You know, let and, me tell you, let me tell you like what encapsulated the whole author services experience for me. So they, they've been doing this for, 38 years going on the 39th year and the the job and the mission of the author services is to find new writers and new illustrators, teach them a little something and help launch their careers. That's the only purpose. Okay. But they've been doing it for 38 years and and they're good at it. When I won the, uh, the golden pen, I'm walking up to, uh, to accept the award, I'm all like, like frazzle brain and, and whatnot, and I shake John's hand, John, the, the president of uh, of uh, Galaxy, Galaxy Press, Press. and uh, shake his hand, and I walk up, walk up the stairs to the stage, and I turn around and look back at the crowd. I see John, and his eyes are red, and he's crying because he's it's like a touching moment for him. He's been doing this for you know, I mean, the organization thirty eight years, and he's been around for a long part of that. And he still gets emotional at that moment. Yeah, he does. He's that blows uh, my mind and totally like that's what that that organization is like. That he still gets emotional at that at that moment. Yeah, he's he, and he does. That's the thing he does. And uh, him and Emily, uh, I call them the the writer power couple. If y'all, Emily is his wife. Emily Goodwin. She uh she helps make sure the gala comes off without an event. So. She's very elusive. She's like an endangered species doing the uh, doing the, the event because she stays going until 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night because she's really taking care of the game. But this time I got to see her more because I was there longer than I was here before last. But um, she stayed, but she stays moving nonsense. All of them do. Everybody, whatever service you are, whether it's author services or Galaxy Press, no one ever sits still. No. They, no. They're just, they're just. Shoo, shoo, shoo. And uh, and I'm just sitting there doing interviews, watching them zing around. But see, this year they don't know what's coming because I'm gonna I'm interview author services before I interview anybody else. Like, I'm gonna start out with them, just torture them right off the bat. <laughs> and and Maliva thinks she's hiding now. It says Claire, uh, uh-uh, they're not getting away. I'm not letting them get away. Neither Jason ain't getting away either. I was just <laughs> talking to Carmen the other night. I said, uh, uh-uh, Carmen, I already got Carmen scheduled. <laughs> yep. I'm like. Oh no, y'all and I get. Well, why don't you pick on John? I said I interview John all the time. That's not the same thing. I said I want to talk to y'all. I want. I want. They, they always tell me, saying, "I'm scared we'll mess up." Well, you can't mess up. What are you? What are you gonna, what's the worst thing you can say? Each one of those individuals is like 
their role is so distinct and so and they're so good at it. Like I'll never forget, you know, each time you say their names, they're yep. who they are pops into my head and what they're doing for us is servants hearts. Yeah. Uh that oh yeah, you gotta interview each and every one of them, and then maybe someone will get an idea of this uh this magnificent yeah. orchestra that that is this program they put on for for emerging talent well that's like sarah and sarah's just non-stop oh i just it's just so that's just the people who we see over at the event the ones i mentioned yeah. right now there's a whole nother crew over at author services and they keep themselves separated because somebody's got to run the business you know <laughs> yeah. you're in the middle of COVID right now so the two crews keep separated from each other uh matter of fact the only people who get to actually get together with them would be us uh i'm there and any of the writers who want to go over and take the tour at author mm -hmm. services and I wish they'd give you a great tour. There's a lot of good stuff over there to look at. Yeah. And uh, now I've got some of my own stuff over there to look at. So y'all remember that when y'all see that green thing back there. Yeah. It's um, but they're I, I mean they're just a lot of good people. And I, I was picking on Joni. I was like, mm -hmm. I said you're the evil one. I know. I said you probably call him. Well, you know. And oh, you won. <laughs> she said I do not. I said I can tell about you. Just like torturing people. And uh, but she works. She works her ass off, people. Mm. She really does. And uh, they 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 make me sit with them doing the gala to make sure I behave myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't get up and start just snapping pictures of people and shit. And, and that's the other thing, the gala. Believe it or not, there's all kind of people go to this thing. I met all kind of stars the last two years, and I, I, you know, I was like, wow, all right. And uh, and the ones I sat with this year were really weird and quiet and strange, but yet I don't know, people. Movie stars are strange, a strange breed, is all I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to insult anybody because I had a good time, but um, and then a few of us ended up with COVID. What a biatch! Oh yeah, yeah, I got it. I got. I know a couple other people who got it, but I mean, oh, yeah. what? Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know I had it. I, I just, I started feeling bad. Well, Friday, I, I thought I had my sinuses because you know, the first time I'd been out of the hotel, I'm thinking, okay, it's allergies because down here it's insanely allergies mm -hmm. everywhere, and. uh I, I just figured my allergies kicked in. So when I got home, I said, I'll quarantine just to make sure I went and got tested. I, no, you got COVID. I'm like, really? When I said, I told him, and she goes, well, you don't look like you got COVID. I said, I don't feel like I got it. She said, well, guess what? You got it. And I was like, that's cussing on me, my breast. Uh, but I didn't, you know, fortunately, whatever variety we all got, I know Lazarus got it too. So he, wow. he, he, yeah. And a couple other people got it. There's only like four or five, unless some other people got it afterwards. Well, people, it's a big gathering. And I don't think I got any from anybody there. I think I got it off one of the damn airplanes. Uh, they were packed. I don't care. Anybody says, look, people, if you're flying right now, if you flew during the holiday, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. There is no room on the planes. And, uh, I took two planes out to L.A., two coming back. And now, the year before last when I went, you could have moved, got it, moved around, changed seats. That's how many people, fewer people they were on airplanes. Uh, favorite what? Oh, it's Desmond or Sci-Fi Freak. I can tell you that without you even – I can tell you yes before you even, he even answers that question. What was the question? Am I a Sci-Fi Freak? You're a Sci-Fi Freak, yeah. Did they just tune in? Uh, yeah, yeah, apparently so. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I just seen the thing light up on top of it, so they must have just popped be an overwhelming yes. Yes. Well, we were talking <laughs> about some good Sci-Fi earlier. Well, we were, we were trekking out earlier, actually. Oh, man. I well, like on some Sci-Fi. What do you mean DC versus Marvel? Okay. I'm going to say my own personal view and doesn't say whatever he wants, but all right. Personally, I think right now Marvel's kicking DC's ass and making movies, but 
I think DC is kicking Marvel's ass and making TV series. I mean, they got like 17 or 18 of them out right now. They got the Flash. They got all kind of shit out there. They got DC Legends, and and they just started a stockpile. Now, Disney's going to try to get involved and help them catch up, but Disney is technically separate from Marvel, so you can't count them with them. Let's see. Disney's got what now? They got the Mandalorian, which wasn't decent until it got... Mandalorian, if you're listening, I know you love my show. Leave your helmet on, okay? Just leave it on. You just, I don't, dude, you, you got a great voice, you're good built. Just leave your helmet on, okay? You kind of look the little doish boys, but we can leave that alone. Um, the, the book of Boba Fett, I'm not even sure what I'm, um, I like Boba oh. Fett, so, and I like the fact that they brought what's a name in from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, and, and uh, well, God knows what else she stars in, but it's, I don't know. It just seems to be hanging on the edge for some reason. Yeah. And, and then we got Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. So I don't exactly know what we're going to do with Obi-Wan. It's, I mean, there's lots of stuff he can do because of what he was like 40 years watching Luke. Or no, not that long, but about 16 or something. Uh, is he yeah. going to be traveling around killing people while this is going on? Or he needs to take care of that little squad. Or what's in it? Sorry, people. There's definitely uh Spoilers in this show. He needs to go take care of that squad of you know people, the hunters. He needs to go take care of them right away. And actually, yeah, that was pretty cool. Then bring in the. Uh, can we talk about spoilers? No. Nah, yeah. Can we? The, yeah. Uh, the Inquisitors. That was pretty cool. I'm glad that they brought them in from. Uh, you know, because when when Disney bought Star Wars, people were freaking out because there was such an expanded universe in the books that had been around for thirty years. And then Disney's like, ah, we're getting rid of that. So for them to bring in the Inquisitors uh, into the new canon, I think was a very, very smart move that made a lot of people happy. That was that was pretty uh, that's pretty legit the way they yeah. Did no, no, I think they did a good job with that. I think it was a good way to go. It's uh, well, you know, people, it's hard. J.J. Adams makes movies, but he likes making boom blow them up movies. For some reason, his movies don't. All right, y'all can get mad at me for saying oh. that, but they just don't have no content in them. They need, well, Desmond, you need a job. They need better writers, man. <laughs> Tom, I, can, yeah. I don't know if they need better writers or better directors. I don't, I don't know yeah. what it is. J.J. just likes to blow shit up. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, I've watched like nine of his movies now, three of his Star Wars, three Star Treks, and another series he's doing. He just likes to blow shit up. Uh, he yeah, likes big, bro. big special effects, which I ain't got no problem with that, but yeah. I need some content in between. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I need some storyline or something that leads from this explosion to that explosion. JJ Abrams is a good uh, concept guy. He's the good. He's a great producer guy. Yes, great idea guy. But you'll see that he assembles teams of people, and he has good team members, uh, including the writers, directors, and those people on that team. When there's more diversity in, in his team, the better the product is. So I think sometimes when you're like, oh, this movie is a a J.J. Abrams movie, it's maybe because there wasn't some of the team members that he's had on some other things weren't there. So like Lost, Mission Impossible 3, um, movies like that that were – or in TV shows like that that were amazing, he had like his core team in there. Mm -hmm. Star Trek, Star Wars, Half, half the Star Trek people I know are so mad that they changed to a different universe. I don't even know how to act. Y'all should be happy now that Strange New Worlds is back. I mean, really. Well, look, when they blew up Vulcan, oh, my God, you thought they shot the damn president, man. I was like, come on. 
I got this phone call from this guy. I can't believe it. I'm, and I'm thinking, man, something must have bad happened. You know, we war to war or something. He said, they blew a Vulcan. I'm like, what the hell do you mean they blew a Vulcan? He said, I, I said, I just see the news stories. They blew a Vulcan. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it sooner or later. I'll get around to watching it. I mean, really, I thought something legit happened. I mean, you know, so anyway. The bold move, Pat. Let's see if it pays off. You know, so at least 10,000 Vulcans, that kind of bites. But hey, you know, they'll, they'll hopefully they'll breathe like rabbits and we don't have to worry about that. Oh, no, wait, they only do it every seven years. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> they, might, they might be extinct here in a little while. It's, uh, it's all people. It's, they, they, can, they, can, they can do it more than every seven years. <laughs> they just have to do it every seven years, yes. Well, I don't know. Oh, wait, what's her name? T'Pol, not T'Pol, not the leader, but the one from Enterprise. Uh, T'Pol, yeah. yeah. Yes, I think she did it more than every seven years, guys. I'm sorry. I know just with Trip, she did it more than every oh, seven years. So. Uh, I don't know what it is. I agree with that, Mark. I'm not going to say that on air, but I agree with that. Um, 90%, until you get to Discovery, 90% of the women on all the Star Treks have a lot of the same attributes. I'm not talking about acting skills either. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a, you know what? It's a Gene Roddenberry thing. Look at his wife, Majel. It's it's a Gene Roddenberry thing. I don't know why, and they're all very attractive. I mean, come look at Seven and I. Jory's always just hot as hell, man. I mean, what are you what are you gonna do? Say she's a dog and kick her. Even now that she's what fifty and she's in a car, she still looks great. I just I don't know. But when they got to Discovery, it changed. They they went for a different type concept in Discovery. It changed a lot. I mean, Discovery is is when it comes to Star Trek. You know, somebody asked me just the other day, do I think Gene Rodman would be mad or happy? I don't know. I don't, I don't, nobody, I, he really didn't put enough of his personal self and everything to know. We know he liked leading the front and being revolutionary, first black kiss on television. He did a couple of things. So I don't know if he would be upset with Discovery, even though a lot of people seem to think he would be. I'm not sure if he would be. So I would, you know, he's not around to answer it. So I guess it's not, his son doesn't seem to have a problem with it. Yes. Well, if you don't know what I'm talking about, all I can tell you is go watch Discovery. It's not as con- it's not something we can get into. It'd be the whole show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, I, it, I, it, I, it would be. And, and actually, we're here to talk about Desmond. So what's what's next? So wait. So anything else out there? Any new books? Anything I want to yeah. read? Anything we're going to put up for sale? Yeah, I got I got six pieces out right now going going across the uh, the short story markets, just waiting to see if anyone's going to take a nibble. Um, and then uh, once Writers of the Future 38 uh, launches on June 28th, then I'm going to start the, uh, the next uh, novel project, um, which kind of deals with uh, neurodiversity in a, uh, in a utopia. So, that should be interesting. Yeah, it should resonate a little bit to uh, to to how we live now. It'll be kind of uh, it should evoke a lot of the feelings that that of, I don't know maybe what what is wrong with our culture and world now. You know, people just not treating people with kindness and not accepting people as they are. Uh, the goal should just be to to make people um, just think about how they look at other people, not to mm-hmm. shove anything down anyone's throat, but just maybe just consider that uh you know the people that they're looking at may have stuff going on inside their head that you just don't even know about around in a you know a good a good old sci-fi story that makes you say oh crap well, that's, that's, and see i appreciate that i appreciate people who can, can give me 
a good sci-fi story, I mean a really good one, and give me a lesson with it. And there have been successful series and successful movies that have been able to do those two things, and there have been some that, well, just gotten stupid with it. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a rule, people. If you force something down someone's throat, they're just not going to watch it anymore. They're not going to like it. Um, to bring this into perspective, Doctor Who, I'm a big fan of Doctor Who. And I know that the woman who's playing Doctor Who, I know her from other roles. So I know she can act. Why she's so hated as Doctor Who. You know, I'm not going to get started with the guy versus the girl, Doctor Who. It's just, you know, if you go back to the old Doctor Who, that whole canon changes. So, um but I think in her case, and I think it's one of the reasons she's leaving, is she don't feel like she... I know she had said this in a pub and it might have got her in trouble, uh, that she did not feel like they were writing for her strong suits. And my son brought this up the other day. She doesn't get mad, which all the doctors get mad somewhere along the line. You know, each one each one has their different time that they blow their tops, but they all do eventually. And, uh, and there's other things that they do. There's just strong suits that are in every doctor all the way back for 50 years that just ha- are not in her. And it's not her because she doesn't write the part. You can't blame the actress. You got to blame the writers. And I found most of them to be boring. I found a lot of them to be lessons that needed to be said, but needed to be said in a much different way. Um, but I did find some of them to be good. I'm still, the, the tooth fairy guy still just messes with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just can't help it. Uh, yeah, if you haven't watched it, go just watch it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's like, he's, anyway, just watch. It's better to watch and listen to what I'm saying. Uh, it's easy. but And, you know, I got a lot of friends who don't like Dr. Hill. They just, nope, they don't like it. I, matter of fact, I met some writers at uh, 38 that didn't, wasn't a Who fan, which surprised me. One of them was from the UK. I was like, wow, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> you write sci-fi and you don't like Doctor Who. I said, well, hey, look, you know, and let's be honest, British sci-fi is much different than American sci-fi. Uh, and they have a different sense of humor, things like, and I don't know if you've seen them, like Blake Seven and some of the other ones that came out. Um, they just, they have a, a whole entire different sense of humor than we do. And they, and their sci-fi is different than ours is, which I appreciate. It's just one of the things that drew me to Doctor Who. Uh, even though, a lot of times their English was as good as mine. I was kind of like, hmm, shouldn't he have an accent? <laughs> shouldn't he be an accent here? Well, I like it. I'd seen they all have a North. I thought that was cool. But, uh, there's lots of good stuff like that. So you see, so you, let me ask you this, because I know some of the other writers I had talked to about this, but I wanted to ask you this. I may, I may have it last time, but I mean, when you write, do you think about submitting? Because I know you don't write about yourself. So do you think about submitting to these different series? Because one of the biggest bitches I heard, one of the people who worked for both Doctor Who and Star Trek said, people always send them a story, but it's about the person that wrote the story. And that's not what they want. They need a story about the cast, the members. Now, you might be part of the story, but you know they need it about the members. And I already know that you write outside of that. You're not putting yourself in every story. So, I mean, you ever thought about sending it to them? Yeah. So... I mean, that's that's how I got started was was writing Star Trek short fiction for Dean Wesley Smith's uh, contest. And of course, you know, it never got never got picked up because I was like 13 years old and didn't know how to write. (laughs) But that's that's how I started. Um, When I think about the possibility of writing for other IPs or or other uh, franchises, the what I would want out of it is is the opportunity to contribute 
to a to advancing the storyline. So like I started in Star Trek, but at this point there's nothing that I could contribute to the Star Trek franchise to advance it any further because my ideas, my characters are next generation DS9 original series and the expanded universe in there is 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 really really thick there's nothing more i could do for that but say mm -hmm. if uh you know travelers like we talked about earlier it got canceled after three seasons with a heck of a cliffhanger and if netflix would wise up and bring it back for a season four they'd probably make some good money but say if they didn't and uh the ip transition to comics or uh or novels i'd be like yeah i'd like to contribute to expanding that that universe so when i write there's always a piece of me that goes into it but it's never a reflection of me as a person because that's not why I write. I want to put a perspective or an emotion onto paper, usually uh, uh, some aspect of a pain or a trauma that's kind of uh, transliterated into, into words. Um, and then I just kind of build a character and a plot around, around that. So like Gallows, the, the story and writers of the future 38, uh, the whole theme of that was a character um, taking back control of his future and choices when those were taken away from him by the time traveling tourists of the future. So yeah, I'd say the, the themes are definitely part of me, but the characters never are. In fact, I usually visualize in my head who I'd want, which actors I'd want to, to play the character. That's yeah. usually how I form the characters. Yeah, no, that's a good way because I know I know I know a lot of writers like right like that who who would play the character who do they think should play the character. Sometimes they get their wish, sometimes they don't. <laughs> so, they you never know. Look, when it comes, you know, I was talking with um, uh, God. I had talked with him a, a while back. He's the writer of Fire in the Sky, Travis Walton, and of course, it's based on a real life experience. Well, you know, I listen to these other radio shows when he comes on and they're doing it. Well, I, you know, I've interviewed Travis a few times over the year. I know the original story, the true story. And I know other stuff that other writers didn't do because I did my research and my homework. But you listen to him, they go asking questions, and you'll just seem like it was the movie. Only half the movie's true. The other half the movie's total bogus garbage. So right off the bat, he knows they didn't read his book. And I remember he asked me last. He said, "You read my book?" I said, "I don't have to." He's like, "Why?" I said, "Because I've been heard listening to you speak for twenty years." I said, "It's not. I don't know that damn book." And uh, we went through it. But um, you know, things like when I told him, "Did you ever think they knew you were on the mountain, Travis?" He just got quiet. Like, no, no one's even ever asked me that in fifteen years, Joe. What are you trying to scare me? I said, "You know, there was a guy from the CIA on the mountain that night as well. Did you know that?" I said, did you know more than likely when you talked about the people with the suits and the hands, that was probably the military, you'd probably be in Mill Avenue and dropped off. I said, did you think about it? He's like, I don't want to talk to you anymore, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, because, he, he, you know, I've heard him bitch about I'm tired of being asked the same questions, and I don't blame him. I've been doing, you know, I, I lecture both in your filing and politics for, well, going on 35 years now, and a lot of times I get asked the same question. One of the one of the questions I get asked at every conference, every conference, and more than once, do I believe in UFOs? And I just look at them like, well, of course I do. And they're like, really? You think aliens? I said, I didn't say I believed in aliens. I said I believed in UFOs. And they're like, what do you mean? I said UFO means unidentified flying object. I said we could walk outside right now and look at things in the sky, and you could say it was an airplane, but you couldn't prove it to me. 
So it's still unidentified. And there's always stuff buzzing around the skies. You don't know what it is. And, and now that we're in the world of the drones, oh, my God, oh, everything oh my is a God. UFO. Yeah. Uh, the drones have made everyone's life so much harder that it's, it's, it's oh, my God. Uh, they can almost mimic the Foo Fighters from back in the day. Almost. Uh, the only thing they can't do, they can do to flip around them. They just can't do the speeds that the Foo yeah. Fighters moved at yet. Foo Fighters were found in World War II. In mm-hmm. <laughs> every Air Force scene, I mean, it didn't matter who. You could be Japanese, German, American, British. didn't matter what Air Force. All Air Forces reported and all Air Force thought it was the other guy's weapons. These things would fly circles around planes they just do spirals around the aircraft and then take off and disappear and all of a sudden they would appear behind the plane traveling at speeds we can't even conceive people exactly it's um so yeah that's probably not ours but you know <laughs> the, the pentagon said hey these aren't these aren't aliens these are ours well right off that made me feel really bad one that means either china or russia has a technology that we don't and i'm not talking about some stupid hypersonic missiles i'm talking about some serious stuff here people if y'all haven't seen a UFO move, then you look. All I can tell you is it's it's something that we just, nobody on this planet has yet. Anytime you can be in the U.S. and be in Australia a second later, it's not a technology we possess. It's just it's just not. Uh, one thing that Larry Hatch did. I know a lot of y'all aren't familiar with Larry Hatch, but Larry Hatch did the U database, and he set up a database from 1948. Um, no, I'm sorry, from 1944 until the year 2000. He tracked every UFO movement across the entire planet. So not only could you see things, but you could actually see like rows, like they were flying over, over, um, I guess because so many people in shipping lanes were seeing, they were, they were flying ship lanes. So instead of seeing like one or two scattered, there'd be 10, 15, 20 of them seen crossing the Atlantic or crossing the Pacific over a shipping lane. And you'd see them in four or five different locations around our planet crossing through shipping lanes like that. Uh, like they were tagging the ships or just flying over going somewhere else. I don't know what the hell they are. And, and, you know, I can say alien all day long. Technically, we're aliens. Oh, don't even get me started. We're definitely aliens. Desmond's for sure an alien. Yeah. Um, look, I can, if you don't believe me, I, I'll tell you what. I will bet you $5,000 that we're aliens. And if anybody can prove me wrong, I'll give it to you. I, I'll give you the three current theories for man. God put us here. So if God put us here, that means we're aliens to this world because he had to create us, make us, and put us on this planet, which means uh, we were not natively born from Earth, but we're an alien. Uh, extraterrestrials put us here. Oh, well, again, that means we're native. And then, of course, there is the current theory that panspermia brought us here. And if y'all don't know what that is, that's the building blocks of life being distributed across asteroids, by asteroids across the galaxy. And that's how life got here. Any one of three is plausible, depending on where you stand in the grand scheme of the universe. But all three make us aliens, and it's worse. (laughs) It's worse than that. Did you know that man's biological clock is set to a 24 and a quarter hour day? Don't take my word for it. But there's a problem. Last I checked, the only planet in our solar system with a 24 and a quarter hour day. No, it's not Earth. It is Mars. Earth has a 23 and three quarter hour day. Sorry. I don't make the rules here, people. And then it gets even worse than that. The optimal temperature for us to work in. Yeah, and this would have happened on Mars at 55 million years ago, 73 degrees Fahrenheit. On this planet, it's closer to 83 degrees Fahrenheit. It don't even look like we're native to our own damn planet. Uh, maybe a catastrophe happened and we got transplanted. Desmond was flying a ship. I was going, come on, Desmond, fast before you get blown out, man. It's good sci-fi. There's a book for you. Yeah. 
I don't know how many, how many people you would offend, but uh, you definitely offend the Christians, the Muslims, the Jews. <laughs> no, people, look, I don't make the rules. It's whatever you want to believe. And I tell people this all the time. Whatever makes you feel as snug as a bug in a rug is what you should believe in. Okay, whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter to me because I don't know how we got here. I don't know if God put us here. I don't know if panspermia put us here. I don't know if aliens put us here. All I know is it seems like we're not native to this planet is all I know for sure. And then we've got this strange O negative blood that just showed up out of nowhere 35,000 years ago, but yet is the universal donor and the purest form of blood known to man. But it didn't exist for 2 million years. I don't know. Something just seems a little strange to me. Yes, I have a bachelor's in science. People I do a lot of science research. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I like whether I believe or don't believe doesn't matter to me. I'm trying to prove it. I'm not trying to believe it. If I want to believe in something, I'll believe in God. Okay. If I want to prove something, then we'll talk about extraterrestrials. There you go. That's a difference. And uh, so it, what do you mean? What is Noah's teasing? Yeah, he's an alien. In fact, that he's never mind. We'll just leave it alone. I mean, they thought I meant you were like a gray alien. No, he's not that kind of alien. He doesn't even look like that. I got the I got the gray alien shape going on. Look, look. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well that means his wife and his kids would be gray aliens too, so it would be like Mr. and Mrs. Gray Alien. Y'all y'all are on crack tonight, aren't y'all in the chat? I can I can my, tell. My son may be an alien. You know that, that kid from uh Susie's brother from Stranger Things Four, the one who just every time you see him he goes, Ah and then shoots you with <laughs> That's my that's that's my son. So he may be an alien. I wish an alien would come get mine, even though I love him. <laughs> I tell an alien, I tell him, you can take mine. You know, you got to mess with me. You just take the sun. He's just, that's the one. He's young, man. Go mess with him. Leave me alone. <laughs> it's, uh, no, my son's great, but people, it's still, you know, like a little time you ever break every once in a while. I'm just kidding. Before y'all start giving me trouble. <laughs> um, who, what do you mean? Who? Oh. I mean, if he had all of his picks out of anybody he could write for, who would he want to write for? That's a good question. I don't know. Ooh. Who would you want? Are we talking IPs or, or writers themselves? I can't see the comments. So you got to fill in the blanks there. Okay. So basically what he, the question just was, if, if, if you could write for any person or any company, I'm sorry, if you could write for any company on the planet, uh, who would you write for? That's all it says. Any company. Um. So wait, any companies, do you mean like, Marvel or Disney, or do you mean like some generic company that writes pill ads or something? I'm confused. No, I'm just kind of clarifying for Desmond because I'm not sure. So you're talking about movie movies. All right, that's cool. So you said, yeah, said movie, movie companies. companies. Okay, that's a different oh, thing. Movie company? Oh, man. I think I'd probably have to go with Paramount. Ooh. Paramount or, you know, I, I like Paramount's good. Yeah, I, I got to go Paramount. Just right now, they're, they're kind of up there. Well, I'll say this about Paramount. They're leading trends in diversity that I haven't seen in, in oh, shit, in 30 years. Um, well, no, people want to say, okay, God, I hate when I say stuff like that. always starts a company. So they're, they're, they're presenting their TV series in, in a way that it's diverse. That's the only way I can say it. It's not, it's not uh, yeah, well, there might be more blacks. There might be more women. There might be more gays. But it, it's, it's, and sometimes it might be all of the same, like in D.C., well, no, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong people. Um, they're just they're just diversifying where they should be. Uh, well, it makes it for a writer. It's got to be better because now you got characters that you can write for out the yin yang. Well, think about it. This growing up 50 years ago, you'd had to write about some old white fogarty guy, okay, uh, or maybe some young white fogarty guy, but you wouldn't have had much range up in there. 
Now you can write about everybody. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even matter what color they are, what sex they are, it just doesn't matter. As long as it's a viable character that the character carries itself. No, what I mean by that is, is you don't want the character to be carried because the character is transvestite or gay or black. You want the character to be carried because of the writing of the character. So in other words, if the character portrays itself, it can have this other part of its life and, and incorporate that into what it is, but the character still has to carry itself as a character. No, oh, whatever. Y'all figure it out on your own. <laughs> when you explain it. I am not the people think I'm losing my mind. Um, I don't know. I'm not a writer. It's, but I don't, I don't want to see, all I can say is I don't want to see TV or, or books or anything like that where they put in diversity because of diversity, not because of the story. That's all I'm saying. Because I see a lot of that right now. I see that in movies and I see that in books, uh, which it's not helping them. You need, they need to be viable characters. Um, it, you know, it doesn't matter if they're gay, if they're, if they're a warrior, they still just need, okay, I'm a gay warrior, but they still need that second part of their character. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yes. <sighs> I should just shut up and shoot myself now. Now, plot, plot is always, uh, plot is always king. Um, representation is, 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 uh, good and correct and, and needed for, um, for how uh, the world needs to be, so that you know, for diversity and quality and inclusion, that's that's gonna bring peace to the world. Um, that is that that's the way that the world is going and should go to get us the equilibrium of of uh, you know the the utopian peace on Earth, mm-hmm. um, which which is great that we're seeing a lot of that uh, people gearing that movement in the uh the sci-fi and fantasy print world um but you won't find success when you put theme ahead of plot mm, i agree i agree it's uh we well, see he said it better than that that's what i was trying to explain to y'all people pay attention if i if i was an author i'd have like look there's five books on my head uh if i could get them out, I, i've actually even thought about getting somebody to write them for me it's um well, I've got, well, you know, it was weird. I think I was channeling Elrond there at the last conference because I wrote 10,000 words while I was there. Uh, but I'm writing about an event that happened in Golf Breeze, and it's going to be way more because it's like an 11-day event. So, uh, uh-oh, we got disconnected. Uh, Desiree has been probed by extraterrestrials. Yes, no, he, Desmond was Desmond has been proved by extraterrestrials. Let's put him back in. <laughs> Sorry about that. There. Who keeps popping yeah. this? Michelle, are you in here putting this out around banner up here, girl? You evil. She is evil, people. There we go. Put that one up there. There we go. Evil. Hold on. I got a guard dog. He's a Yorkie Terrier. He's uh barking. I'm gonna let him uh, feel bad. I got I got two Chiwiwis, man. <laughs> and they are terrorists. Matter of fact, as soon as I said that they came up in here, you want to come see? You want to get on camera? Come here. Come, come show your vicious self. So you the killer. <laughs> I am the killer. It is so funny. I had her down the night. I was wearing a black outfit, and she had her eyes closed and her ears down. And she's just laying there. And all of a sudden, she moved her eye, and she just seen that white speck. Everybody said, what the hell was that? <laughs> so it's a damn four-and-a-half-pound chihuahua. I got a bigger one. This is just the one that thinks it's supposed to be on television with us. Well, shoot. I'll go get mine then. Look, look. Another one's coming. Oh, no. Here comes another one. 
What you did with Fiona? Lola. Who's that? You want to say hi to Ray? You're just quite comfortable sitting up here, huh? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Look at that. Look at that puppy. Look at that puppy. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. His name is Spock because... Uh, oh, what a baby. That's a baby. I'm not a big dog fan, but my wife really, really wanted one. So I said, all right, we'll, we'll get one, but I have to name them. At the time, she was not a sci-fi fan. She was like a cheerleader type. I actually <laughs> converted her, so... Uh, but I said, I, yeah. <laughs> I say, I got, all right, we'll get a dog, but I have to name him. So I named him Spock out of uh, Spike. Duh. And uh, yeah. it looks good. It looks like one of our hosts has one. It looks just like him. Yeah. Get the baby. Huh? Look at him. He's like, all right, dad, I'm, I'm going back to my business now. <laughs> Fiona going. <laughs> Tell him about it, huh? Did you hear that? Who's that barking? Who's that barking? Oh shit! You what happened to the block when it bleached itself white? Uh oh! <laughs> you better get down from here. Y'all behave yourself. Y'all in the in the buggy mama. Um. So while we were messing with the dogs, a couple of questions came in. Somebody had just written, um, "What would be your favorite UFO case?" Oh yeah. Now, are are y'all talking about favorite like UFO or alien or both or does it matter? Okay, all right, I'm just asking. It doesn't matter. They just want to know. <laughs> The uh, the Rendlesham Forest incident uh, that was uh December of 1980, um, over in um, it was a Royal uh, Air Force Base, uh, Woodridge in Woodridge England. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some uh, Air Force security police guys were doing a uh, just a patrol of the base over there, and the uh, they basically saw some lights, um thought that an airplane had crashed and responded to it as such. Uh, when they got there, uh, it, it was not an airplane crash. They witnessed a UFO. And, um, you know, the story has um, evolved of sorts. Mm, um, evolved. <laughs> there, there's different... There's different elements of the story, but one of the coolest things that 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 adds to the credibility is um, so these were Air Force personnel. They reported the incident up the chain of command. Um, the base's deputy base commander, who was a lieutenant colonel, um, got involved in the investigation, goes out to check it out. And then while they are doing an investigation, uh, treating it as a crime scene, he sees the thing the light source so and as he's making an audio recording um so you know as far as these things go um the credibility of the witnesses is a lot more on par than the average person who's mental or um intoxicant state could be called into question these were military personnel and yeah it was police personnel and on duty personnel at like that they were on duty up during it was during christmas time now where it gets a little funky is um <laughs> oh man where it gets where it gets funky is uh there was some one of the guys um believes that he received uh, binary code transmitted into his head 
from this pyramid-shaped UFO that, that they witnessed after he touched it and that it um, translated into a message. You know, so much, much like all these cases, like, it's really believable, and then it gets to a point where you're like, oh, man, you're starting to lose me a little bit. But um, at the face value, and, and, and it, it actually gets a little bit deeper. There was a nuclear um, a nuclear base, um, Bentwaters, nearby. Yeah, Bentwaters. Around that same time, they uh, there was a, an unidentified aircraft that hovered over the uh, over the uh, the nuclear site and just about caused an international incident because, of course, at the time, uh, you know, they're dealing with the Soviets and they thought that they were kind of, you know, that the nuclear um, assets were under attack. So all this is happening around the same time. And uh, so something was seen. Um, what it was, uh, we, we don't know, but the, you could say the, the witnesses were kind of above reproach, which is why it's one of my favorites. I know it was a, it, you know, I've, I've interviewed all of the major witnesses. Let's see, uh, Jim Penniston. Uh, well, I wanted to call him Jim Sparks. That's for a whole other case. Damn, and we're actually friends. Shame on me. I forgot his name. He's going to hurt me. Um, I'm actually friends with, uh, I'm actually in the movie Capel Green. I'm the one who did all the voice stress analysis on the witnesses. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah so it's, uh, yeah, no, but it's, um, I know it's Jim Penniston. There's three others. It was Holt, Penniston, and, uh, uh. Their, the base uh, commander was uh, Ted Conrad, but I don't know the, the, the whole lot. Uh, they, um, I, I met four of them that were in the field. What bothered me about this case is is something happened to these guys. Yeah. Okay, there's no ifs, ands, or buts that something mentally and physically happened to these guys. Uh, later on, the cases started to divert. So one of them says they became time travelers. And I was listening. I think it was Jim Penniston, and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. Kevin uh, no, but it'll come to me sooner or later. But it's um they they said they had become they had gotten the knowledge and, and were traveling back and forth in time. I'm like, well, why haven't y'all figured out this case yet? <laughs> I mean, what what the hell's going on? If you time travels, you should know what's going on. Yeah. Um, the other one, who's uh, he's living in Australia. No, he's he's back in the UK right now. He he had a different take on what went on there, and that's who they made the movie after after on Capel Green. Why the hell is this? You see, that's what happens. You get old, man. Your memory goes. Well, just names, know. though. It was just names. The movie's Cape of Green. It hasn't come out yet, but. Oh. Um, it's. Uh, it's that a, so that's the field. Cape of Green is the actual field where it happened at. And uh, so what's his name? So Robin. Peter Robbins is the one who wrote book uh, Left at Eastgate. Um, and he wrote it based on the story of. See, his brain. I can't. For some reason, he's just drawing a, a blank, but. Left at Eastgate describes their version of what happened. What's really great about this is Peter Robin sent me all of the mini eight tapes that they made while they were walking through the forest talking oh, wow. about what went on. So he wanted he wanted to authentic, authenticate um, his partner. Oh, I can't remember his name. This is going to drive me just crazy. And I've done hundreds of interviews. I mean, I've done probably 50 interviews with this guy. Why his name is eluding me is beyond me. But um, – I'm sorry, guys. That's what happens when you get old. But anyway, they they he saw things differently, and uh, he remembers being taken. Uh, things were out of sorts. He remembers what's weird about the experience. He, he talks about an experience that I've heard other people talk about being brought somewhere underground afterwards, 
uh, being fed in the cafeteria, being questioned about what you saw, uh, things along those lines. There was a lot of stuff that went down. And remember, this wasn't a one-night event either. This happened, I think it was over three nights. Yeah, that's right. And um, so it was a strange, the whole thing was strange in the way it went down. But the witness. You there? Okay, guess I got. Oh, there you are. I was about to so, take over. <laughs> sorry, what the hell happened there? I'm not sure what just happened, guys. Was it John Burroughs? Uh, uh, well, yeah. Uh, let's see, John Burroughs and Jim Peniston, and then there's um, why the hell? Now I'm have to go look at my own damn websites. Oh. Why can't I remember? Matter of fact, he's in this video I'm looking at right now, but they don't have his damn name on him. <laughs> reason. Life just irritates me when it does stuff like this. And I mean, I'm just drawing a complete, and I can, I can remember Peter Robbins' name who wrote the book with him. Uh, but for some reason, uh, what the hell is his name? Old crazy bastard. Him and I have talked so many times too for me not to remember his name. Maybe I can find it over here. That's going to look like here. But, but uh, him, him and Peter Robbins wrote it, but they sent me all these tapes. And I went through all of this, all of this. I spent weeks going through this. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of material here. Oh, man. And uh, so I just, and it was all private material. None of this had been made personal. I mean, none of this was public. And this was all stuff that was just between the two of them. And I was first off impressed or surprised that they sent it to me because they didn't have to. I sent them a copy of the regression, which they passed. I mean, not the regression, but they passed. Uh, they weren't lying. None of went on. They they weren't lying. Um, it, it was just I was expecting, you know. Well, I I was expecting to find something other than what I did. Sure. And uh, what came out of it was they weren't lying. They were both seeing what they were saying. Now remember, Robbins wasn't the uh, he wasn't the um, one that was taken, but still, you know, left at East Gates is talking about the Bentwater Woodridge UFO and. He's he oh, uh, Larry Warren. That's his damn name. I knew he'd come to me sooner or later. So Larry Warren is the, what uh, Keeple Green is about. He's one of the witnesses they feel had more credibility than John Burroughs and uh, uh, Peniston did because they said they were traveling and uh, the future. <laughs> Colonel Halton then is a good witness, but he's he just kind of says something happened, and he right. don't want to go any further than that. Which I don't, I don't so much blame him. But that's just that's where he's at. But um, Larry Warren was an er interesting character. Him and I had many many debates over this, uh, uh, and uh, you know, and I'm I'm very well. Oh, shit, I can't speak tonight, but uh, I'm really good at backing people in corners when I'm asking questions. So, you know, I wanted the truth, and I put him under pressure. And then the first time I ever voice stressed Larry, I didn't even tell him I was doing it. I, I was asking him questions. He said, "Why are you ask me questions about my family?" Should I said, "I'm just curious." And, uh, and I voice dressed him. Then I told him what it, what his score was afterwards. He's like, "Really? I passed?" I said, "Yeah, you passed." But somehow or another, he got into it with some other ufologists. So like half of them hate him, half of them love him now. It's typical in the field, though. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, everybody finds. And then, so the number one uh, polygrapher in the UK also polygraphed Larry. So I voice dressed him and all of the tapes, and he's also uh, polygraphed. None of the other witnesses were willing to be polygraphed. None of them. Mm. So when I contacted Penniston and Burroughs about it, I said, look, 
I said, it's not going to cost you anything. <clears throat> and I said, I'll do the work. I said, if you're not happy with the results, I will even give you the results. I said, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of something here. And they refused. Holt refused for a different reason, but still they refused. And here's Larry Warren, who they all three says is lying, who's taking the polygraphs. Yeah. You know, when you're willing to put your money where your mouth where your money is or your money where your mouth is, in Larry Warren's case, he passed both. And then he had a third one done. Uh, it's it's kind of like Travis Walton and all his people being polygraphed after the, the sighting. All five of them passed. So wait, this in the woods, what he said happened in the woods happened, but the cops couldn't deal with it, even though all five of them passed. Sometimes things are exactly what people say they are. It's just not what we want to hear. And in Rendlesham, there was a craft that landed in the forest. Obviously, it wasn't Chinese or Russian, and it wasn't American, so who the hell was it? There was something that went on. There was definitely missing time involved. Uh, because all four of them, actually more than that, I was like eight different witnesses said that it felt like they were there for five or 10 minutes and hours had passed. Mm -hmm. So you had standard missing time. I don't, I don't, you know, but nobody, but, but Larry would be polygraphed and Larry's willing to be uh, regressed. So I'm not sure, you know, where this is going to go. I mean, there's still, I don't know where the movie is. The movie's been being made for two and a half years now. Uh, it's a documentary guy knows when it'll ever get out, but still. It's got a lot of good material on it, and it's, uh, it's got just got tons of good material. I told the guy you ought to just release it as a documentary the way it is, but they're going to be perfection about this thing. But still, it'll be nice. Something that will come out, people will be able to watch. It's kind of like um, the Shag Harbor incident. Shag Harbor's great because nobody thought it was a UFO. Everybody thought it was an airplane. Hmm. Everybody thought it was an airplane until some submarines and a ship showed up and Navy divers showed up. Everybody's like, wait, what? If it would have been a plane, it would have been wouldn't have been military. Even though there have been military people there, there would have been a lot of civilians there as well. Everybody I interviewed, and I talked to about eleven different people who've seen in Chad Harper say the same thing. It came in and hit the water, and it sank immediately. And they went out in boats thinking it was a plane, and there was this weird foam all over the water and stuff. But they didn't find anybody, no bodies. While they were out there, this thing started glowing green and just took off underwater and shot out through the mouth of the harbor and went out into the Atlantic and then sat off the coast. You could see it out there. They said a few hours later, something else came up, looked like another craft, and docked with it, I guess, helped it. So after that, you don't hear anything. Well, I, a good friend of mine, he he's a, he, well, he owns a yellow submarine, basically. He dives a lot of diving down in South America on, on wrecks and a lot of diving on like the sunken cities off the coast of Cuba and stuff like that. He does a lot of that's what he does. And uh, he put me in touch with two Navy divers that were off the Shag Harbor dive. They said not only was there not a much bigger UFO showed up that was lending help, there were two submarines there, uh, and they couldn't get they could only get X amount of close. He said, "I don't want to call it a force field." He said it was like the water hardened. Oh, he said you couldn't get past a point. He said it didn't hurt you, didn't do any damage. It, it was almost like a bubble; it would push you back. He said uh, we sat there for seven days watching this thing be repaired. And he said oh. then it left. He said, this is why he and I do not believe in crashed UFOs. He said, they came for their own. He said, so I don't think they would have done any last for any other craft. He said, and we wouldn't either for that matter. I mean, when we when the Chinese took our, 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 our spy plane, uh, we told them either give it back or you're going to start a war. Even though we got it back in a box, we still got it back. And all the pieces came back as well. And all of our people came back. But... Mm -hmm. I don't see I don't see an alien doing anything less than that. That's why Roswell was always hard for me. 
Uh, really, Roswell. Well, first off, think of it like you're you, you're a big sci-fi fan. You should know this. And this yeah. is from science, not from sci-fi. But anything that can travel fast in the speed of light or traverse wormholes when it impacts the ground is not going to break up. It's 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 just going to come in probably in one big chunk. It may have pieces fall off and stuff if there's things on it. He said, I, but I would imagine if you can take micromediorites in your hull, a smash into the planet is not going to destroy the craft. Yeah, the whole foil thing always didn't add up exactly. Yeah, this is a bunch of stuff that didn't add up on that one. Yeah, there's... Well, you had two weird things. You had Mac Brazel's ranch, mm-hmm. where, where they said the greys were in this, this crunched up, what it sounded like to me was an escape pod. That's if, if I had to pick something, yeah. I would have I would have said what came down to his ranch was number one, it was very fragile. Um, you know, it, it sounded like something we would make, actually. And it, but yeah, the piece that came down in Aurora, uh not in Aurora and um I can't remember the damn name of the, the city now. Uh, no, we, no uh, the one in Mac Brazel, the piece came down, but there was one that came down. Was it Ramar, Aurora, New Mexico? But anyway, about eighty miles away a piece came down in a chunk. It was a solid craft that came down. So this is what's weird about this. At the, the Boy Scouts who found the one in the mountain said that there were three bodies there that looked human, but they were, they were like melty, but they were the size of humans and the color of humans. The bodies that were found in Roswell at Mac Brazel's ranch were grazed. Um, something must've happened. And we, it sounds like we were flying the craft and the grays said, we're the hell up out of this place. And what's weirder, even weirder about that, in 1911, the Germans started building disc from 1911 to 1913. And then from 1917 to 1919, they did it again, um, which suggests if anybody made contact, if any aliens made contact with a with a race, it was the Germans. At the turn of the last century, they were most very far ahead of everybody else. At World War One, they were way ahead of us. And World War Two, they were way ahead of us. So if you're an alien race coming by, you don't know who Hitler is. You're liable to stop by and, and say, hey, let me talk to y'all. Y'all are more technologically advanced. Well, what they think is one of the – they were given a saucer that we brought back after the war and crashed the damn thing because we couldn't figure out how to fly it. Mm. There's no way to prove any different, but I can tell you now, if you can traverse deep space, no lightning is going to take your, your craft down. I don't care how big a bolt it is. I mean, and the, and one of them said, oh, the radar theory. I'm like, really? This, do you know how much radar radiation is in space? I, I said, far more any radar gun we have on the planet can produce. I said, I don't think either one of them, they just weren't plausible explanations for a, a craft that could traverse space. Now, maybe a shuttlecraft or a, a escape pod or a cargo plane, that's different. Something that's traversing back and forth, that's probably is delicate and could be brought down. But a real craft, I'm just not thinking. I'm thinking that, nah, not with anything we have. Um, I, I don't know why. It's just one of them things, people, you don't have to take my opinion. It's an opinion. Now, the, so the only part from I, – I, I want to love Roswell. I, or, that's hard. I, know that's I, hard. I want to love that 1947 was like the beginning of our discovery. But um, if you look at it, if you break it down, the mythology of the, of the UFO portion really only started when that public – the Air Force Public Affairs Officer – put out the report saying it was a flying disc. Everything before that um, is explainable. Everything after that is a cascading effect of uh, a domino effect of, of, of misinformation that, you know, the bodies were taken to uh, Wright Patterson in Ohio. 
the uh, you know the the memo that was um, you know that was taken in that photograph where we tried to blow it up and flip it upside down and discern the letters to see what everything after that point um, was kind of our own fault. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those it could have been. Gosh, I hate saying this. It could have just been a a, a a test balloon with crash test dummies that caught fire and burned up, and then they thought it was little midget bodies. It's, well, the dummies we can rule out because they didn't come out for another four years. Uh, so you can reel them out. They really didn't. They came out four years after Roswell. So uh, they've been well documented when we started using them. But there are other things that could have been, and it could have been something less sophisticated than the dummies they use later on. Because they were using uh, for like nuclear blasts. They were using like pants and shirts stuff with hay and shit like that and feed and things like that. So to see what the effects would be. Oh, no, Jim. They actually did test nuclear bombs on humans. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to say no. it's, it's one of the downsides in our government's history. But they did do it, unfortunately. And people did die at Area 51 from contamination to burn piles, just like they did in Iraq. And our government, our military still got a lot to learn. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, I think President Clinton apologized to the nation for that stuff in like 1995. Saying, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was that. Sorry. Right right after he said Area 51 didn't exist and it yeah. ended up in court. I, I thought that was so funny. He did. And Clinton made a big deal. No, Area 51. I would know. I would go if it was existed. And then three days later, he finds out there's a lawsuit and it does exist. You know, he had to be some pissed. I mean, he's President of the United States. Somebody should have told him. But Area 51 is a need to know, and it, presidents don't always have the need to know. I found out in, in my class 10 security clearances are a lot higher than some things that presidents gets to know. They don't, like, they don't need to know how a nuclear reactor works. It's not part of the job. Yeah. There's no reason yeah. for them to know that. Um, and just because they have the codes in a nuclear thing doesn't need to know, need how, to know how it works. So, yeah, your clearances vary depending on who you are and where you are. Reagan had a high clearance because Reagan was building all kind of crazy stuff. Well, I think he's he's probably directly responsible for the heart facility, uh, which punches holes in our atmosphere and sends stuff down to Pine Gap, which is the one in Queensland, Australia. Uh, hey, I, I didn't make these facilities. Uh, that That's him. And then he builds these stalwart lasers that no one could figure out. So <clears throat> first time I ever seen one of these, I had seen this at a Los Alamos exposition. So they were shooting these discs about the size of my Camry into space with it. They would put it on top of the, the laser and superheat it and it would spin and shoot it into space by heating it up. They thought it was going to be some like new payload system. Like Obviously, <clears throat> it didn't pay on now, but these lasers were far too big for shooting down missiles. These were more like carving up city lasers. I mean, oh. They were huge, man. These were not... I mean, to aim this at a laser, you'd take out half the sky. I, I don't know what they... They had... Okay, first off, so y'all know this, but Pine Gap is the joint... British defense of outer space. It's the U.S.-British joint defense of outer space. Now, outer space means beyond the moon, people. What the hell are we defending from? As far as I know, we don't believe in aliens on this planet, so what the hell are we defending? It's not asteroids, because we got three different things that do that. It kind of weirded me out a little bit. Nobody knows what the heart facility is. Even I got a friend that works, I still don't know what the heart facility does. Uh, other than it, it tests these weird beams that they use to shoot around the planet. And then, of course, there's Star Wars. I mean, these are all three. And then Reagan gets on TV seven times and said, what if aliens invaded our planet? So he's building <laughs> weapons to take them out and talking about them. And I, I mean, the man was making me a little nervous. The uh, 70s and 80s were <clears throat> a time. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. you, just, you, just, you just go. I know. That's what I'm saying. You could, you could use these for all kinds of stuff. Well, no. Yes, Christopher. Uh, okay. 
you're talking about the Nimitz thing. Okay, I can't talk about it anymore because I got flagged on it. But um, so everybody knows I was in the Navy. I've been I talked about it for years. I have a class 10 security clearances, like which is like 10 levels above top secret. And everybody always thinks it's because <clears throat> I know these big, deep, dark secrets. Y'all think whatever you want. It's because I worked on the Conan Tower of the Nimitz, the old salty, the reactor room, and everything on every jet that was on our deck. I had to have an outrageous clearance. Just because I worked on our nuclear reactor, my clearance had to be impeccable and as high as you can get on a carrier. Hey, I don't make the rules. And trust me, I didn't even know. I come home to find out they've talked to my mama, my aunts, my <laughs> uncles, my friends, my cousins, people I didn't even know they talking to. Uh, I mean, they were just ridiculous with this. It's uh, it, it got to the point where I was like, okay, really? And I, at first I thought I offended somebody. They did something wrong. <laughs> uh, but no, that's, they just, and then I had to sign all this paperwork. But the Nimitz events, what you're talking about is something different. Um, this was an event that happened on board the ship. Why Ronald Reagan was on board the ship. And I talked about it on Stephen Bessett's show, and I talked about it in Michelle's show on uh, Outer Realm, and then I got I got I got reflagged. So I got this letter saying that I could sign this, or basically else is what it said, pretty much. I, I'm not going to go into all the details and minutia of it, but it was basically you know. And I wrote him back and said, no, it, it ended. It was 33 year, yeah, 33 years, and it ended. So it was no more. I didn't have to buy by the clearance anymore. My, my, my security clearance is a lifetime thing. It never goes away. You can check it for yourself. I could just run a background check on me. You'll find that FBI does a background check on me. It used to be every four years. Now it's every two years. Um, so you can find that out for yourself. But all the rest of this is just stuff that had happened. And I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement on what we saw. What we saw on the deck, what we saw below the deck, and what we saw on the deck itself. All I can tell you at this point is something landed on the deck, and that's it. I can't tell you any more than that. I can tell you this, though. You can go listen to The Outer Realm or Stephen Bissett Show. They didn't make us pull it. They just told me I couldn't talk about it anymore. I guess because there was four other people out there talking about a different event that happened on the Nimitz. It doesn't matter. It's not that important. You can go listen to it. It is a bit spooky, a bit scary. I only saw part of the event, and I'll tell you that when I'm doing the video, and I'll tell you what everybody else saw on the, on the ship that was – watching the view i was the last person off the deck because i was a plane captain i was very always the last one off the deck and uh all i can say is i was like ah! <laughs> what the and when the front of the carrier nose down a little bit i was like what the people aircraft carriers are huge you know how many planes are on board how much fuel and and engine parts and weapons and food and people it's 5500 people in the nimitz and everything it takes to keep them 5500 people going I've never seen the bow of the Nimitz dip for anything. And this thing sat down on it and it dipped. I was like, and it hung over both sides, like, I don't know, 75 yards of each side. It was freaky looking. Yeah, I can't tell y'all. You got to go listen to those two shows. I would tell you if I could, but I want to get flagged. I'm probably going to get it as it is. <laughs> uh, no, we're not. Um, now, um, where's it going? Um, oh, where was it going? Uh, Montauk. What do you know about Montauk? Montauk. Uh, oh, now I got some friends that got to, how can I say this politely without getting in trouble, up to their eyeballs and shit over this. <laughs> Tell me what you know, man. Oh, well, I love, so if, if you if you watch Stranger Things and you you know the story of, of, of Montauk, because mm -hmm. they basically, the, the Duffer brothers basically took a couple, maybe like three or four different sources of what's called the Montauk project and made a, a fictional story. Um, 
it uh, back in the day there was uh, up in near Long Island, New Jersey. There was this uh, this old Air Force station called Camp Hero, and ever since uh, I mean, even going back to I think it was like as early as like 1973. Um, reports of all sorts of funky stuff coming out of there and people have written books. Um, and then as, as more people came out and started talking about what was happening there, uh, people, other people would come up and say, this happened to me too. So, um, at its base, uh, there was this program called the Montauk, uh, boys where, um, this government program would allegedly kidnap, boys off the street and kind of turn them into Manchurian candidates by uh, using um, psychological uh, um, breakdown techniques, kind of like MK Ultra type, type stuff, like what the CIA um, is documented to have done um, back in the, in the 60s. And then there's some people who worked on the project who described um, what they were doing with this technology over at Camp Hero Everything from trying to use uh, mind control through radio waves to connecting other dimensions into uh, human exper experimentation with these um, the, the Montauk boys, these kids that they would take up off the streets, um, manifestation of things out of pure air, whether it be from other dimensions or from the people's imaginations. Basically, in short, you watch Stranger Things, um, that allegedly really happened in uh, Mont. In fact, Duffer Brothers, the working project for Stranger Things was called Montauk. And I, I suspect they had to change. The, I don't know this for certain, but when the show came out, this is what I thought. They, they had changed the name because a guy actually wrote a book um, called The Montauk Project Experiments in Time. Uh, it was Preston Nichols who wrote the book. It's a fascinating read. It, uh, It'll it'll blow your mind. It, it's a trip. Um, they started out as saying, "Hey, we know some of this stuff sounds crazy. Read it as sci-fi. Read it as a uh, as nonfiction. Whatever. We're just telling you what our experiences were at uh, at Camp Hero for this Montauk project." And uh, I recently saw a great documentary about it um, called the uh, Montauk Chronicles. It's trippy, man. It's trippy. The seventies and eighties were crazy for, for paranormal stuff. What, what do you got, Joe? I, I want to hear what you got on this topic. I think you're muted. Sorry, one of my dogs is barking. It's uh, people. A lot of people just don't like to even talk about these topics. We know that we know we had remote viewing programs running. We know we were we were through uh, several Air Force people that I've interviewed over the years that we were running programs where we were trying. To hypnotize people into doing the things we wanted, we were using. There's, I shouldn't even say this on air, but you can use sodium anisole and sodium pentothal if you know how to use it, and you're really good hypnosis like myself. You can make people do a lot of things. You can train oh, them into a lot of things. You can change their lives. I mean, with real hypnosis, if I take you down to level ten, I own your ass. Uh, <laughs> it's just, we, it's true. But we try not to take people. See, that's why we we tell people when I do hypnosis. One is we discuss what we're going to talk about first. So, so like if you came up to me. Desmond he said, Hey, I had this weird event happen to me in October 15. That's all I'm going to ask you. Right. So when we sit and when I put you under, I'm going to say, Desmond, you had expressed something that had happened to you. And if you start having a hard time, then we'll go down another level. But eventually what I'll do 
is I'll have you all nice and relaxed. I'll have you walking down this beach and you'll find this like a hatch on the beach. You'll open it. There'll be a ladder going down. You'll climb down the ladder and there'll be a, a platform. Well, when you stop on that platform, you'll see this thing spinning next to you. And it's going to just be things in your life. When you touch it, it opens up and that you'll relive whatever that happens to be. Mm. Well, sometimes you got to get down to level four, level five to find out some of the cover memories, especially for Milab stuff. And uh, boy, it'll open up. But I warn people about this all the time. Uh, if you're not ready to experience what happened, don't get hypnotized. Because once a cat's out of the bag, you ain't putting it back. Oh, yeah. uh, you'll be getting therapy for the rest of your damn life. But we had found that there were several different programs being run where we were trying to, well, it's like the Russians used to have American cities so they could infiltrate our country. Mm-hmm. Well, we did the same thing. We were trying to, to, to brainwash these people in such a way that they thought they were this great Russian citizen and they were going to excel through things. And eventually when they got to a certain point, we'd send a keyword and we would trip their training and they'd do whatever we, they were originally trained for. There was a lot as how successful it was, was mixed. Um, but unfortunately for both governments, it got leaked. So, <laughs> yeah, sure so, did. <laughs> so more and more people were like, wait, wait, what we did, what? Oh no. Oh yeah. With the country that buried chemicals underneath the, uh, under the ground and let somebody build a, uh, a city on top of it. Yeah, we don't we don't care. And you know, or a suburb on top of it. Sorry, whole whole village. You ever heard of Love Canal people? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ever heard of Three Mile Island? We do some Area 51, we do some nasty things. Mm-hmm. Uh it, it's not to say it's not a reflection of who our society is today. Our society today is better, even though y'all don't think it is, it is a better society than the one that I originally grew up in. But it's got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work to go. But still, it is making forward progress. Yeah. Again, though, and I'm going to say this as a, a citizen, if you push something, it's going to backfire on you. It's um, You can't force feed America to believe something. You can introduce it like Gene Roddenberry did or some of the other ones did. But when you go overboard, it's not going to work. You'll notice that it, it's a perfect example. How many stars hated Trump now only make half the money they used to make? This works for both sides. This isn't just a Trump thing. Just look at all the people who hated Trump uh, or, or loved Trump that hated the Democrats and lost half their business. Uh, look at the My Pillow guy. It hurt him bad, but it hurt a lot of movie stars. When you take sides like that, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. So all I can tell you is if you're going to decide to take a side, make sure you're standing on good ground. Uh, when, I, when I argue something, I make sure I'm in the middle. That way I can, I can have fun with it. Uh, I, can, I can do it the way I want to do it. And yes, I'm going to probably piss off both sides, but I'm equally hating. I'm not picking a side to hate on. In other words, and people will tell you this. I don't care what color you are, what sex you are, or what your sexual preference is. If I think you're an a-hole, then you're going to get treated like an a-hole. That's just how I am. I've always been like that. I've never judged people by anything other than the way they act to me. I'm just I'm a reactionist, I guess you can say. And I can be, I can be a real a-hole myself when I want to be. Yes, I've mellowed with age. Matter of fact, you know what my biggest complaint was for the last two years, Desmond, that I've gotten too nice. Oh, shoot. I'm like, what the hell are y'all talking about too nice? Oh, you can be really rude when you want to be. I'm like, yeah, but that's because somebody's done something stupid or told me something stupid. Like the guy a couple of weeks ago, did you know God was an alien? I said, well, that's possible. I mean, you know, we don't know. I got, I, I lost a good job because I said Jesus could have been an alien. Jesus. <laughs> I did. I lost a good job over there. Big paying, high dollar job, man. I was like, they did, they did, man. They had worked me for three years to get me in this position, groomed me the way they wanted to. And then I guess they were very religious. 
Hmm. And I told him, I said, it wasn't meant to be an offense. It was meant to be a, a, a realization. We don't know. None of us were there. Uh, but anyway, it cost me a good job is all I can tell you. I should have sued the bejesus out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's pretty illegal. It was, but you know, back then it probably wouldn't have mattered. These people have more money than God, so yeah. it was one of them things. What's that, Janine? He told you in the beginning he was married. Y'all, y'all some, y'all some husband wife seeking people up in this chat. <laughs> well, yeah, he's got, oh, because he had a cute dog. That should have told you right out the bat he was married. Yeah, that's oh not yeah, 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 yes. Because single guys usually don't have cute dogs. They usually have vicious dogs or mean dogs or usually not cute, you know, Rottweilers or pit bulls or something along those lines. I look, don't hate on me. I just one of them things. I've been married forever. I wouldn't even know how to act if I wasn't married. I'd be like, what? Wait, where's the other half? <laughs> something missing here. Uh, what's it? We got we got about eight minutes. What, what y'all got? Or uh, we got about ten. So I'll let y'all get in some quick questions. Uh, where's Desmond Head? I think we talked about that, but I'll let him reiterate it. Oh, tell him whether you can find you and stuff like that before we forget. Oh yeah, yeah. I love connecting with people. So hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Desmond Astaire, just like how it's uh, spelled. Uh, or you can just Google it, and I'll get you in the ballpark. Uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram, and then also got a website with uh, some of the latest and greatest desmondastare.com. So there you go. Desmond Astaire. Actually, his bio and all go up on the new site probably in the morning. So we usually leave it up a week after an interview. Well, that's just so if y'all want to mail him, email him, find him, something like that. Y'all can mm-hmm. read about him and things like that. The interview goes up tonight. So yes, uh, we already asked, we already talked about who his favorite. Oh, who his favorite sci-fi writer is. Oh, he gotta be careful answering this. <laughs> Mm. Oh, wait, wait. He's already won the award. It don't matter now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shoot. I, I can't take favorites on that. I'm a buffet type of guy. And I love it yes, all. Yes, because he'll get in trouble. <laughs> wow, it's like saying, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? I love ice cream. I can't well, pick you got, one. You got, um, let's see. Peter David's good. Stephen King's really good. Yeah, there's just so many of them out there. I don't know how you pick yeah. a favorite. You mean Stephen King? I go back and forth on King. Sometimes I like him, sometimes I hate him. I don't don't ask me why. It's, it's a love hate thing. That's just don't. It just depends on what era he was in. Yes, the different eras. I was really getting into him, and then I watched Christine. I was like, hmm, okay, no, it wasn't that. It was a horrible movie or anything. Just my stepdaughter was named Christine, so then I had mm. to pick on her for the next six years. <laughs> so no, that wasn't so much a good for me to watch. Uh, and actually, my least favorite was Pet Cemetery. I don't know why. I just didn't like it. I've heard I, that a lot from people. Yeah, I did. I did. A lot of people loved it. I just wasn't one of its fans. I, I don't know. Maybe because I don't want to think about my pet coming alive and eating my toes off or some yeah. shit. I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know what it was, but it's just one of them things that didn't go over me. Yeah, uh, enough. I don't want to. I don't want to go that route. What do you mean? Is he an author? This is what we've been talking about the whole show. <laughs> yes, I'm confused. Thirty-eight on sale, June twenty-eighth. Uh, short story gallows uh, won go. the Golden Pen Award. So check it out. Let me know. Send me some hate mail or some love mail. I don't know. Well, you- if, if y'all are really good, y'all can get it early. I got two copies left. No, you're not getting my autograph copy, but I got two copies available. I had six all together, but I'm down to two. Well, people have been sending me these book packs. I know. Isn't that ripping you off five books for one? I get five, you get one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not exactly true. I've been giving away. I'm 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 almost out. I've only got one thirty six and one thirty seven left. So if you send me a package that goes to school, and you can even pick the school it goes to in Mississippi or Louisiana, 
Um, it's a five book set. There's several different sets over at Galaxy Press you can order. And um, you can get them on Amazon too. But it's uh, if you send us one to donate, then we'll send you those books. No, I'm not giving them a. What do you mean you heard I had three autographed copies? That's true, I do, but I'm not giving them <laughs> one for now. No, I'm not getting them. And you're not getting the post to either stop. Maybe one day I might put the post up for like 25 Gs, but until then, mm. I'd say, there you go. Already complaining, like <laughs> driving complaining because I said 25 Gs. No, there's a lot of good stuff. One more question. Who's going to get it? Let's see. Y'all scroll, 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 scroll. Mm. Uh, oh, okay. No, that, that's, a, that's a legit question. Oh, let's do it. Okay, so out of the genres, because there's a lot of genres that, that writers of the future accepted. Uh, in general, what is your favorite genre to write in? Time travel. Time oh, travel. God, I love you already. Man. Uh, I, I love any good time. There's, man, there's a bunch of time travel movies out there I like. Some, you know, but still. No, people, we're not getting into all the different time travel. We'll be here for two days. Uh, you get a hold of me on Twitter, and we will talk time travel all day long. Oh, yeah. There's some good ones. Mm, it's like crack rocks to me. I just love it. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a time travel. Well, actually, Michael Angley just did a time travel show, and uh, oh no, I'm one of them. Time exists all at one time, people. Yeah, so y'all can just leave me alone now. Yeah. Well, no. You want me to prove it to you? Really? You want me to prove it to you? Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm do this easy for y'all. Okay. All right. I'm talking. What I just said is the past. What I'm saying is the present. What I'm thinking the next thing I'm gonna say is the future. So it's all existing at one time. One straight little one. Yeah, no, that just pisses you off, doesn't it? <laughs> you believe whatever you want to believe. It's time travel, people. I mean, come on. No, I, I am a, I'm a all, all in one kind of person because that way you can travel time. And, and I know people think they don't think you can travel in the future that way, but you can because it's a probable future. The past year has already been done and over with. But why do you want to go to the past? You'll probably screw something up. You'll step on a butterfly. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. I just couldn't resist. It was just, I know shame on me, but really, time travel is a great. You know what? Well, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be, I'm going to be doing it. I'll invite Desmond uh, on when we do the next time travel show. It'll be like four of us on the show. We'll all be talking time travel. Mike will come by and probably a couple others because we all love talking time travel. Love time because travel. you can't be wrong. Well, you probably can be, but we won't know it. Not in this lifetime. <laughs> anyway, but you, but you still, you can, well, no, we might know it in this lifetime. I think we're close. Know. I think we're close to figuring out the physics. Okay. That was just scary. Oh, sorry. I, I, uh, I, I got, I got two, uh, stream yards open and the other hosts are getting ready to start. And all I could see was a big black cat with two red lips poking out. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. Hold on, let me let me let me get myself out of there, so because they'll start talking about you, and I won't know what the hell's going on. Uh, oh man, Desmond, you've been great. We didn't even get into a third of what I wanted to talk about tonight. Well, because you know, I love sci-fi freaks, people. You know, I invite them on all the time. Oh yeah, I remember it was like four years ago. Y'all started, bitch. We did like uh, I had five, six really big sci-fi authors in a row come on, and we just geeked out for like <laughs> six weeks. I uh, started getting these emails. You know, uh, we're going to talk about UFOs again one day, right? And I said, we've been talking about UFOs. Oh, no, that's not what I'm talking about, Joe. I'm talking about real research, not, not just talking. Uh, no, Desmond, good guy. Y'all should check him out. Support your local authors. Uh, it's the only way these guys get out there. They do good writing. When when Book 30 comes out, you should read it. But there's a lot of other ones you can go read. Um, what do you mean? Oh, I do have one Battlefield Earth left. That's all I got. John sent me a case of 20. I've given them all but one away. 
oh, you have to do something very special for me. I don't know. Think about it. Send me some chocolate. Mm. And uh, it's uh, no, somebody send me pizza. People send me pizzas all the time. Yeah, that's cool. I don't mind. Send them over. Yeah. As long as you're not hand baking them and sending them to me, we're okay. Well, I don't know. I got some enemies out there. I <laughs> wear no hand exploding pizzas or nothing. <laughs> uh, all right. What, what, what? <laughs> Okay, one, one, one last question. All right. Hey! Somebody else got a question back there. He's like, look, I got this question. Who the hell is Mr. Spock? All right, now, now that Spock talk. No, I'm going to answer this question now that Spock talk. I was going to ask the other one, but we're going to ask this one anyway. So this was something that came in a little while ago. And since Spock spoke, I figured this would be a good question. <laughs> Who is your favorite Spock? So we got three oh. Spocks now, right? We got three, right? We got the original. We got the one mm. from the alternate universe, and then we got the one from the series. So I don't know. That's a tough one. I like the new guy. I, I'm not going to hate. Of course, you can't hate on the original Spock. So I mean, yeah. And I mean, the guy like, in the middle one was good. I mean, it's it's. I don't know, guys. That's a tough one. Zachary Quinto's Spock was was, he was real, good. really good contemporary take. It, nothing can ever match the original. It's like saying, "Hey, how do you like this this copy of the Mona Lisa?" But Zachary Quinto's was like a really, really good fresh take. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Well, and what well, see, that's what we were talking about earlier. He's somebody you could put in to help motivate the people that, to show that you, it doesn't matter what you are to be in a part and mm -hmm. still play a good part. That's what we were talking about earlier. You can't base a part on whatever your your thing is. You got to base a part on your acting. What well, doesn't matter? Okay, yes, we need black actors, we need gags, we need a whole bunch. But you can't give them the part because you got to give them the part because they can act. Yes, it yeah. doesn't matter if they're gay. That's cool as long as they can act. That's all I got to say. It's like Dumbledore. As long as they can act, that's all that matters. You're going to find that there's a lot more characters than you realize now that people can come out and, and be honest about it. Yes, a lot of your beloved characters are not who you thought they were. That's <laughs> hey, it's not me. Why well, I'm going to get the hate mail? I didn't, it's not. I didn't like tell anybody to change their ways. Because 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you couldn't talk about this openly, not the way mm -hmm. you do today. I mean, you could talk about it, but not – it would keep you from getting a job, I can tell you that, especially yeah. in, the, in, in the industry. Oh, yeah. That day is done. Welcome to the new it, world. We're it's the new world, so I'm not even going to repeat that. You prefer it. Whatever. <laughs> That's just stupid. Uh, yes, I read the comment. That's completely stupid. It's 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 not age appropriate for the show. How's that? Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, one last one. We got to go. We're five minutes over. We started a couple minutes late, so so we'll get we'll squeeze in one more. Nope. Right here, already asked that question. Move on. No, we already we already asked who his favorite author was, and no, he can't answer it like that. Hit me up on the oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, well, I'll ask him this. No, I'm fine with that. All right. So this is a Star Wars versus Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Thing. Oh. So they want to know which series do you think uh, is the best and which one do you think makes the most money? That's a trick question, that most money thing, because I'm there to answer to that. It's, it's, a, it's a definitely a trick question. And as far as who's better, I don't know. I, I, I like both. Franchise wise, I, I want to say Star Wars as a franchise makes more. Um, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's movie wise, they they uh, they kick their ass. Mar or I should say, it's like it's a Mike a Marvel DC thing. Yeah, Marvel I mean, kicks DC's ass until you get into TV series, and DC kicks Marvel's ass. Well, it's kind of the same thing with Star Trek. Um, 
Star Wars is just coming out with TV series. So they got a long mm-hmm. ways to go. Tall Track's got what, seven out now? Uh, eight, I forget. And uh, plus yeah. all the little mini series and all the fan series and uh, all the cartoons and all. So that's where Star Wars is trying to go. So, yeah, so it's a double. Yeah, we looked it up the other day. So, movie wise, uh, Star Star Wars kicks Star Trek's ass. Yeah, the no, other no. way around than Star Trek. So it's it's a kind yeah. of. A, it, that's why I said it was a trick question. I knew when he asked it, I, I knew it, that that was going because yeah, it, was, it was a topic that came up a couple of weeks ago on a chat. We could have a really show good. on that topic. That's, that's oh, you could too. It's um, what were you talking about? J.J. Adams made three of each. He made the last three or the last. Uh, not the last one, but the three before that. And then he made all three of the Star Treks, right? I, there's a fourth one coming, but I don't know when it's coming. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know when it's coming. I, I just heard it was going to be a fourth Star Trek, and I don't know who's playing Chekhov either. I don't want to recast him. Well, yeah, he's gone, yeah. So. That sucks. A new man. Babylon series? I don't think you're going to see that, dude. I would love to see it, but I don't know how you would do it. They kind of ended that series. Yeah. Um. 20 years, I guess you could bring his son back or something like that. Or something. I, I have no idea. Maybe they had more kids. I guess you could do it like that. Firefly is coming back in some form or fashion. I don't know how. They uh, yeah, they, they talked about it and, and they've been casting people, or I'm sorry to say casting, but looking for people. Oh, is really? the original yeah, is the original cast gonna be in it? I did hear you might see some cameos by the captain. And a couple of others. Is Serenity uh, going to be there? I don't know. If they don't bring back the originals, that it's going to flop. They, no, they they don't they don't. I, I think they just want to bring them like a starter to help uh, to give the character some base. Because it sounds like the the captain might be uh, what's his name's kid. Uh, uh, he might have inherited the five. I don't know how to see. This, this is such a sketchy thing when you get into these kind of things because uh, it's easy to screw. It's it, it's only it was only twelve. Oh, that's the other question that went by a few minutes ago. How do you like living with one season a year? And half the time, it's only 10 episodes. I, I bitch about that all the time. I'm just saying. It's different. It's, it's, a, it's a struggle. But I think what's worse is when you, you know, go through an entire season of Cobra Kai in one day, and you're like, well, crap, now I have to wait 11 months for the next one. Like, that's, that's when you know you have a problem. So I, I like how Marvel – will like space them out for you on purpose because they know you have a problem. They're like, we're going to help you out and give you one a week. I like that. Yeah, um, I, I actually prefer the one a week myself. That's uh, I, I know the Star Trek's doing it right now, so I'm happy with that. Well, not everybody does it, people. Like uh, Expanse dumped them. Um, Altered Carbon dumped them. I know, Dean, I know all the time you tell me you hated Altered Carbon. <laughs> Look, dude. I don't. I don't. You know. First off, Alter Carbon is an adult TV show. It's not for children of any age. There is more sex and drugs in that thing than there is anything else. Uh, there's a lot of good acting in there. You had two good, strong lead male actors in there. Both. Of them. Matter of fact, the guy, the last guy, who's going to be your new Captain America. Uh, so, well, I don't know after he showed somebody body parts. Maybe not. But still, <laughs> he's supposed to be your new Captain America. I like the concept of the of the series. I like the idea because we're moving towards that, finding a way to live forever. Um, and you know, they say to aliens all the time, they can download your or upload your consciousness to a disc or a plat. Matter of fact, in nineteen ninety five or ninety eight, a gentleman had a, a chip implanted in his head and uploaded memories from his brain to the chip, and then reviewed them when he took the chip out. So we know the technology is out there. We know in two thousand and ten, 
the U.S. government had started working on a technology like this. So it just should be a technology, probably take a little while longer, but they should be able to upload your consciousness and then download it into a new body. I don't think it'll be like it is an expanse. So it'll probably just be host bodies or bodies you can go buy from somewhere or get a cheap something. Or maybe it will be like that. Who knows? Uh, yeah, their problem was if you got arrested, you didn't get your body back. You got somebody else's. Uh, yeah, well, you, a lot of times you didn't get your body back. You just got somebody else's. It was it was a strange series. It had a lot of potential, but it had a lot of sex. A, a lot of nudity might be better. There's just a lot of nudity in that movie. And I have a rule. Generally, if I see T and A in the first five minutes, I don't usually watch it. <laughs> Not as a sci-fi. It's a, it's a sci-fi rule because usually it's just going to be that's all you're going to see. And I like content. This one actually had storytelling and content. Mm -hmm. As far as Expanse went, I, I liked Expanse and I hated Expanse. I, man, like season one, season two, yeah. Even season three, season four, I was like, what the f just happened here? And season five, <laughs> I, I didn't actually say the word, but still, look, guys, <laughs> I, I like sci-fi. But yeah, I got to be honest. Sometimes they get a little off. They get a little weird. Mm -hmm. they, they brought in the guy from um, uh, Torchwood, and he's not that bad of an actor, but he didn't really fit with the Expanse crew, so I don't know how that worked. That was kind of weird. Uh, the whole thing was kind of aggravating. What do you mean you don't know what Torchwood is? Have you ever watched Doctor Who? You know, you should know what Torchwood is. Then. Just look <laughs> it up. It's 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 Captain. You ever heard of Captain Jack Hartness? Yeah, all right. You know who that is? Well, he runs Torchwood. There you go. Well, there's a show about Mary Jane, too. Not that kind of Mary Jane. I'm sure there's a show about that too, but I'm talking about the person from Doctor Who. Y'all are there in a rare form tonight. Anyway, guys, we got to get out of here. And remember, I keep telling y'all, Michelle's on my ass about this all the time. Stop using Messenger. Start using the chat so the the uh, guests can see it. Because if y'all if y'all are posting on Facebook or YouTube, and I see people on all of those pages, if you post, it comes up in here where everybody can see it. When you post a Messenger, nobody sees it but me. Uh, yeah, and sometimes like y'all were doing a night posting 15 messages at a time. Is Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, you're rich and you're female and rich and you want to adopt him? I'm sure just write to him. Huh? He ain't got no problem with that. Twitter, doesn't it stare? That's right. What do you mean he's not an Elon Musk fan? I'm confused about that whole statement. Oh, because he's on Twitter? We're all on Twitter. No, I, I would have liked to see Elon buy Twitter because then I'd have got my two hundred thousand people accounts back. But now I just have to stick with the three or four hundred person one I got. Hey, we got banned. That happens. It, it happens. Uh, no, last I heard, he's not buying Twitter. He said since they're going to sue him, he's not going to buy it. He's done his damage. He's dropped his stock down twenty dollars a thing. He showed that half their audience were bots. He he pretty much did some serious damage to Twitter. They're going to be getting sued for decades after this. Yeah. The bot thing hurt them. Oh, yeah, the bot thing hurt. When Elon said, you got to prove to me how many listeners you actually have, and it was half of what they said, mm, there was a problem. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, nobody nobody thought that Twitter was not, you know, pain in the ass. All the social – okay, in case y'all didn't know this, all the social media are corrupt. Okay, just so <laughs> – I just thought I'd tell you, shit, I don't want y'all telling anybody that. And look, how many – all right, before we go – how many of y'all are Twitter fans? I mean, not Twitter fans, Twitch fans, or whatever the hell it's called. Not TikTok fans, I'm sorry. TikTok yeah. is hilarious. Okay, TikTok's insane. There's billions of people on it, and it's owned by China. Yeah. Okay. Still owned by China. Yeah, y'all are making China rich. So if somebody in China rich, you're definitely making them rich. I love TikTok. I got an account on TikTok. Yeah, I got I got a – my dogs are famous, more famous than I am on TikTok. <laughs> yes, well. 
I only got like 1,300 followers over there, but they, most of it's my dogs. That's not anything else. I haven't really started doing UFO stuff over there yet. Well, we're trying to get StreamYard's getting ready to add some more people. So we're going to add a LinkedIn account because I got like 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. So we're going to bring that account on board so we can actually show video through there as well. But they're bringing on some other stuff. And then there's Truth Social, which I'm not sure if I'm going to use yet. Mm. Uh, there's part. Okay. Truth Social is Trump's site, people. We'll see what it offers. Okay. Before we talk about whether, I don't care who owns it, just like Twitter. I don't care that Jack owns it. I just wish he'd be a little bit more open about free speech. Uh, and Twitter, I, I, tw I mean, on Truth Social, I don't know. We'll see. Parlor's out there. There's a few of them out there if y'all want to go check them out. And then there's a couple of different chats. You just, you just, you know, find out what. Oh, no, I do have a MySpace page with 67,000 followers on it. Yes, it's amazing. It still exists. I miss MySpace so much. You know, it, you know what MySpace is used for today, guys and girls? Actually, it might be good for you. It's used mainly for music and authors and stuff like that. It's, it's not the social media page like Facebook is anymore. It can be. But it's really more designed for people to put their music out, to put their videos out. It, it's more like that. It's it, you know, put your new book out, put your new illustrations out, put your new podcast out. It's more about that than it is. It still exists. I still got five hundred million listeners, our subscribers. Last I checked, I know I was stunned too. I, I, we've been having a page there. I just forget about it. <laughs> Every now and then, I get a letter from you know we still exist. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to think about that. You know what I really miss? It's AOL. That's what I started out with on. So when I started using computers, we we still we didn't have no Windows. We had DOS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In case you don't know, people like if I wanted to go somewhere on the web, it was literally like two paragraphs of typing. Oh yeah, and then it would take. And if you wanted to build a website, it was all HTML. Jesus, everything was. <laughs> now they got site building for idiots, which I love, by the way, because it's point and click and go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just how it is. And then AOL, well, actually, Windows 3.0 came along, and then AOL came along. And AOL was like the mainstay for surfing the internet for a long time. AOL account. I still probably got an AOL account somewhere. And um, Alien Enigma 4 at AOL.com. I even remember that. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <clears throat> but still, well, I think they still exist. I don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't used them. I couldn't, uh, no, because what happened was, is AOL took a long time to switch over from dial-up to to high-speed internet. It took them a while, mm -hmm. and people got aggravated because they were having glitching problems and slow problems and speed problems. Eventually, they did, but it's, they weren't designed that way. Their company was designed to run off of modems and stuff like that, as V95 more than likely. And uh, yeah, everybody remembers. Well, most of us do. You're sitting five minutes waiting for something to upload, <laughs> and then your computer starts. Oh yeah, people, that's what it took to get started. Yep. And then, then you know, it's not like today where everything's instant. You go somewhere, you know, la la, let me go get a drink, la la la. Go outside, smoke a cigarette. No, I don't smoke anymore. Anybody asked, but I used to in the old days. So you know, go out, smoke a cigarette, come back, turn on some TV. Oh, there's my game. All right, <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it was enough to get us all hooked, and because of that. We now have real internet. Like mm. I'm running on one terabyte up. Uh, I'm sorry, one terabyte down and uh, 200 megs up. So that's nice. And uh, so it's just smoking fast. And, uh, <laughs> the smallest computer I have right now is an eight core running 16 gigs of RAM. The one I'm on right now is 12 cores, 64 gigs of RAM, four terabytes of regular memory, one terabyte of SD memory. Oh, that's hot. Yeah, we 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 ready to roll, people. 
and and I only use this one just for doing this, nothing else. Yeah, it's overkill for interviews, but still. Oh, and it's also got a uh, what is this seven gig? Uh, I'm sorry, eight gig video card in it, what? which only gets used to show my lovely face to y'all. I, sh- I need to go get a cheap one so I look, you know. <laughs> but we got to get out of here, guys, because I want to appreciate Desmond. I want to thank, thanks for stopping and hanging out with us tonight. Everybody else, remember Outer Realm is on right now. I'm surprised Michelle hasn't written to me telling me to get off the air and stop talking <laughs> up all the radio. Well, she can't get on the main station until we sign off, yes, because I own the station, so I get priority. Nah, 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 nah. Everybody else, it switches automatically except for this show. <laughs> this show don't get switched till the boss gets off the air. But again, Desmond, thanks. Everybody else, uh, just get your questions. Again. Like I said, I think it's like six or seven weeks. Uh, I'll write to Desmond, let him know we're going to be doing a show on time travel. He can come hang out with us. We'll get into the, the depth and craziness of time travel. I love time travel. People. It's one of my favorite type Time travel and Mars right now are probably my two favorite topics because I like Mars. It's our first natural progression of, of economy. Yeah, the, the moon is. Yeah, well, you can go live on a freaking moon. I don't want to look at Earth. I want to look. I want to go to Mars. I want to find. Well, because I doubt there's much on the moon that we're going to find. On Mars, on the other hand, we might find some. Y'all, y'all remember the doorway they just posted the other day? Yeah. Nobody can debunk the doorway. No one can still debunk the pyramids. NASA posted that. You can't debunk it. Yes. Well, you know what happens to NASA? Poor NASA. So a lot of my friends do uh, picture recognition for JPL and Milan, which does it for NASA. Mm. NASA don't do all their own stuff. Neither does JPL and Milan. And there are literally tens of thousands of pictures coming in. So people are just going through them. When they get anomalies, they're supposed to pull them. But they don't have to. So they just let them go through and they get posted. More than likely, if somebody like me saw that picture and said, well, the pyramids of Mars are interesting because they're five sides and they're, they're equals yeah. five sides. But the face is probably not what y'all thought it was. It's probably pareidolia, pare, whatever you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's probably what it was. But the, okay, there's a, there's in the Sedona region, y'all getting me in all trouble running late tonight. In the Sedona region, there's a there's an aerial shot. So what I want you to do is go look up the sunken city of Cuba and you'll see an aerial shot of it. And then I want you to look up the ruins in South America and see an aerial shot. After you look at those, then I want you to go to the Sedona region of Mars and look and tell me what you see. There's no doubt. There is no doubt what you're seeing. Uh, it is some kind of ruins of some sort. What well, doesn't matter to Martians at this time? What does it matter? We don't know. All we know is it looks like a decent-sized city once existed there. Uh, current estimates, if you estimate it off the sunken city found off the coast of um, India right after that last big tsunami, there was two of them found, actually. They estimate around 250,000 in each city. That's about the size of the city. And it's got five huge pyramids. One of the pyramids could fit every pyramid in the planet inside of it. It's huge. And don't forget this one sitting off the coast of Cuba that big. Yeah, which they never want to talk about. The, um, the Canadian and uh, Cuban Archaeological Society are the ones that founded originally. It's two. There's one in the harbor, in the Cuban harbor, and there's one at the point of Cuba sitting off. One sitting in 800 feet of water, one sitting in 2,000 feet of water. The bitch part is you can see them both. When you look straight down, you can actually see them. That's how big they are. The one sitting in 2,000 feet of water, the main pyramid is supposed to be about the size of Louisiana. Wow. It's big. It's big. Uh, they have no idea what it, what it was. And they were talking about it all over the place. And then all of a sudden, it started fading off the internet. And then you couldn't even find the shot. You can still, I, I personally have, um, not on this computer, but on the other one, I personally still have two of the aerial shots. That was sent to me by my friend who owns it. Yeah, the summer. Yeah, you notice I never use his name, right, guys? Uh, <laughs> and uh, because he was one of the ones originally working on it, yeah, he was all over it. 
and well, he's a he's a deep diver. He, he like if you he he started he started his career working on the oil rigs. He used to bring people down and put them in a container. So I've had friends do this for a living. They they put you in a container for a month. You can't smoke. There's a lot of things you can't do. You're breathing helium, so you sound like Mickey Mouse the whole time you're down there. And uh, they make big money for being down there. Well, he's a guy that brings them up and down. That's what he does. And then he decided he went, and he also inspects the rigs. Then he decided he really wanted to do something more just funner in life. He said, looking at the rig all day long just sucked. So he got a job down and off, off of uh, in Haiti looking at some ruins down there. And then the Japanese hired him. Now he's been all over the place looking at ruins. And that's what he does. And uh, he enjoys it. He's been all over the Cuban ruins. He's one of the few subtenders that actually had a, a, a license to dive these places. They're not going to let me down there. They're not going to let Desmond. They're going to let any Americans down there hardly at all. Mm. Actually, the yellow submarine guy is not an American. No, he is not. He's He is from the UK. Uh, I should say, let me, yes. He's from the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. He's from the Commonwealth. You can figure out what country it is. How's that? Well, no, the Commonwealth is more than like India is part of the Commonwealth. Australia is part of the Commonwealth. Brit, I mean, the Canadians are still part of the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Technically, they think America is, even though we say all the time we are not. <laughs> they still think we are. Yes, no, they just think, the Brits just think America is still a state of theirs. Don't, don't even. Oh, yeah. All, all my Brit friends always are like, oh, well, y'all still, we just consider y'all just a state. No, hmm. y'all might be a state. <laughs> y'all ain't even the damn size of Texas. What are you talking? I love the who was it? Oh, one of my friends in Canada was going on and on how big they were. I said, you and your 36 million people? I said, you do know California got more people than you got. I said, so does Texas for that matter, or close. I said, no, we would just break you up into like eight states. (laughs) (laughs) I tell them all the time we're going to annex them. All the time. I said, don't worry, it's coming. Poor Canadians, we're going to annex you. It's just a matter of time. Oh, Just, no. if, if Trudeau don't shut up with all these gun things, we're going to definitely annex him. The Texans might come get him. I'm just telling him, trying to warn the, the pink. We call him Mr. Pink Shorts on this station because he went out and did this thing. He was in hot pink shorts and a pink shirt. Now, the pink shirt was for breast cancer. I don't know what the hot pink shorts were about. I, I just, so somebody says, he gay. I said, no, last I checked, he was married to a woman. I, don't do and I said, I'm not sure what the hot pink shorts were about. Oh no! You could you'd have to pay me big money to get me a hot pink shorts. Not not because of me, because it would damage y'all. <laughs> but we gotta go. We are way way over. Doesn't be a good sport. He's got to get out. He's got a life. Guys and girls, thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch the archive. It should be up in about twenty minutes. Uh, we'll be available in all the usual spots. As far as I know, there is no no uh, archive site that we are not on. If we do find one by some chance, send it to me. I will add us. But. These days, a lot of our main archive sites feed to bunches of other ones. Spreaker goes out to like 12. I think Pybean goes out to like 15. SoundCloud goes out to like 15. Uh, TuneIn goes out to like 12. It's just ridiculous. So last I checked, I think we want 120 podcast sites and over 140 live servers around the world. It's, it's, this show goes out to every country. There is no countries we do not broadcast. and include North Korea, Venezuela, and, and right now, Believe it or not, we are still being allowed to broadcast in Russia. We're probably the only one of, one of the few American stations allowed there. We're still broadcasting in the Ukraine, and both are steady, solid audiences. Uh, the Ukraine might be listening to us for different reasons. Uh, Russia's just, they're just listening. But we only talk politics one night a week, so if you're not listening at night, you're not going to know what we're saying. I, I love the Russia. There's nothing wrong with the Russian people. It's like our country. I love Americans. It's about our leadership. And I'm not voting for anybody that don't know how old they are anymore. I'm just saying. 
uh, it's just, you know, between Hillary, Trump, and Biden, I, I mean, there's like, what, 240 years experience between the three. You'd think that'd be a good thing, wouldn't you? No, apparently it's not. Hillary's not running again. And if she does, she's going to lose. Biden's going to probably run again. He's going to lose, too. And as far as the GOP, I have no idea who they're going to feel. Uh, last I heard, it was going to be DeSantis. He'll win hands down. No problem. Maybe the California guy could give him a run, but California is in so much crap right now. He probably doesn't want to get on a stage where he's going to debate somebody. Um, well, anyway, you look at the midterms, the Republicans are going to reap the whirlwind. They're just, there's nothing, there's nothing the Democrats can do about it right now. It's always like that in, in the first election, though, after a new president. That's nothing new. Everybody's like, oh, it's no, it's, no, it's not. It happened for like the last, I don't know, the last, the last 10. It's not a big thing. I mean, there's always a change in the guard because everybody gets pissed at the president that's in office because they're never getting done what they say they're going to get done. It's just how it works. It's a game. Anyway, we got to get out of here. Catch me on Friday night if you want to talk politics. Uh, there's always a good crew on the political show. I think this week it's going to be Jay, Mike, John, and myself. Uh, God only knows who's going to come out on top. Well, there's two centralists, not centrist. It's different. There's two centralists on that show, a libertarian and independent. Um, usually we have a Republican and a, and a um, Democrat with us, but lately they just can't get in the same room together. So nobody, it doesn't matter who it is. I can't, I can't get a Democrat and a Republican to get on air with us and not act like, you know what? They're mad. They're both mad. They're both mad at each other. And I'm thinking you only represent 40, 20, 40% of the country, you morons. Uh, but that's our fault. We, the people make these decisions. And when we, the people, are more than 60% not Republican and Democrat, we shouldn't have to live with some of these people. But we still do. Anyway, y'all enjoy y'all's night, people. Go get a good book and read it. Desmond's going to get y'all some new stuff out there so y'all can get to reading. Be sure you buy his books when they come out. I'll be pissed if you don't. I, I know where all y'all live, all three million of y'all. Um, so I got your addresses. I got your IP numbers. I got the whole nine yards, people. Don't make me come to be, visit you at your house. You just said I was being too nice. So. <laughs> I just tell you, Desmond. Again, thanks, guys and girls. We're gonna get out of here. Uh, I would tell you to stay tuned for the album, but they are already in and uh, live, so I will switch them over to the main server in just a minute. Be sure to check out Michelle and him. Oh, and be sure to go watch the Flat World guy from last week. That's all I can say. I'm not saying. <laughs> um, well, I've been close enough to space that I, I can actually tell you the planet's not flat, but. One, um, when I was in the Navy, there was a couple of orbital shots. No, not in orbit. High altitude, 80,000 feet. Yes. No, I've never been in orbit. I would be ecstatic. I'd, I'd still be talking about it. What do you mean? <laughs> Jesus. No, I had. we were doing a test flight on a, on a new plane we had on board the ship. I can't tell you which one it was. but I'll tell you it was a fighter. That's all I'll tell you. But uh, And the pilots always had a rule about planes. If if the guy who works on it won't get in it, then they don't want to fly it. Nice. So actually, unfortunately for me, I had to fly on a lot of different planes. Yes. I, I shouldn't say unfortunately. I loved it. But the only one that ever worried me was an old Corsair 2. This bitch, when I got up to about 650 miles an hour, it sounded like it was about to rattle apart. It was... <laughs> I told the pilot, I said, dude, they just need to junk these, man. Said, no, they're good pilots. I said, no, dude, they need to junk these things. I'm not kidding you, dude. They sound like you hear things rattling and popping and shit. I was just waiting for a wing to fall off, a tail to fall off, bomb to fall off. Oh, no, we had them around for a long time. Yeah, we kept them. They're, they're good bombers. That's why. 
But good night, everywhere. Go hang out and aggravate Michelle for a little while. Uh, be sure to write to Desmond, and y'all know where I'm at. So if you got any moans, groans, bitches, or gripes, please don't write to me. Write to Michelle at, at Allen Realm. That's her job now, not mine. <laughs> good night, everybody. Thanks, Joe. Uh, another great.